Coming to you pre-recorded from a cramped closet in Las Vegas, Nevada, and a New York City apartment far too close to the street. It's your favorite millennials with too much time on their hands. Welcome to the Red Team Reviews Podcast. Hello and welcome to the same episode of the Red Team Reviews Podcast. I, the voice you're currently listening to, am very tired TJ Patrick, joined, as always, by the SAG-AFTRA to my WGA, Trevor Catalano. Which is very fitting. (laughs) How is all of our strike content so much longer than our normal content? Because we were just talking for hours structured. (laughs) We're talking for hours and hours on end about shit that normally we would just be like, oh, this is much shorter episode. Not to say that our episodes haven't gotten consistently longer as we've gone through. Um, I mean, you want to be real? You want to know what the actual reason for it is, Trev? What? We're actually talking about things we want to talk about. (laughs) We could do that, you know, with the regular podcast. Uh, That has always been an option. However, it's part of the challenge and the growth to like. Yeah, sure. Okay. You You keep telling yourself about lust caution. You keep telling yourself that (laughs) you keep you keep being like creating this architecture of like, well, I guess we have to do it this way. And I'm like, we've never had to do anything anyway. Um, Look, if we don't talk about At World's End, who will? uh, Many people about 10 years ago. Like, I'm pretty sure all the the critics about 10 years ago. We're relevant. Was that 10 years ago? That was more than 10 years ago, right? 2013? That was more than... No. No. (laughs) 10 years ago? Uh, Did At World's End... At World's End did not come out in 2013. Was it earlier? There's no way it came out in 2013. Because the first one came out in, like, what, 2003? You're telling me it was 10 years for three movies? Oh, yeah, no, so it was earlier. Damn. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it was like 2008, 2009. Yeah. Um, it's still a long ass fucking time ago. So, yes. Uh, all that to say, we're wasting time. We are still here <laughs> talking about X Men, and I feel the heat of the spotlight as well as the suffocating heat of this closet. Um, in August in Las Vegas during global warming summer 2023 um so as you all are very aware i don't need to describe anything i don't need to explain anything you already know what we're doing because i may have like some way or another i'm gonna edit this to make sense hopefully um in the sense that i have been i've given myself the task basically of pitching in a new x-men show that may or may not be connected to the MCU. Honestly, for what I'm doing, it doesn't really matter until it's pretty obvious that it matters. And and even then, in which case, it's largely pretty easy uh, to in to include it into MCU stuff. It's just like it's more the matter of are the mutants going to make appearances in other MCU projects? That's where it kind of gets a little dicey. But for what I'm doing. It's like, yeah, it's a part of the MCU and like name at least, and that's really all that matters. So, I mean, should should everything be less a little bit less connected except for the crossover events? Probably. Of all the things that should be way 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 less connected, X-Men absolutely is at the top of that list. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 
take it take it away, bud. Uh, if you didn't listen to my deep like deep breakdown of Trevor's opinions and loose knowledge of X Men from the last episode, have fun. Um, <laughs> eat your heart out. Uh, oh boy. Um, I'm gonna be real with you guys. I tried my best to organize this. It's not. So, uh, because... But he did it his don't, way. I don't know why that made me think of that, but it did. Don't blame me. Blame X-Men for being X-Men. Yeah, They're it's, all it's over the fucking, fucking massive. And a lot of shit is... Yeah. Like, I went into, like, asking one question about one character and then came back with, like, who... I learned like 10 different people that somehow all of them are meaningful Uh and now all of them have to somehow be included at least in passing Uh in all of this, you know, it's the, it's really the Maura McTaggart of it all. Uh So I'm going to try my best to keep this on the rails and more importantly, I'm going to try my best to actually convey every idea I had because I had so many ideas that it's actually difficult to like keep them all on a document and like keep them all in place. So I might be a little all over the place. That's fine. This is a safe space for me to make an ass out of myself. Okay. Okay. I mean, really, that's been all the episodes of the Red Team Reviews podcast. So anyway, (laughs) we're going to start off with essentially, yes, I am going to uh, largely try to do this in a television format. Uh, The episodes I'm laying out are more than likely going to be between 40 40 minutes to an hour each. We don't need a ton of episodes. I feel like that... Correct me if I'm wrong. I think that's just better for X-Men specifically. If it's like, no, fewer episodes, but longer individual episodes is better than like 22 minute, like, yeah. And like uh, 18 to 20. I mean, any, anything that is epically minded where like we're building towards something uh, in like in and there's any potential for an action sequence. Yes, it should be. It should be 40 minutes minimum. That is that is my opinion. Okay. All right, so, uh, and also, yes, to address, uh, you could hypothetically, theoretically, do most of what I pitch here in movie form, and as well as doing episodes of a show as well. I just, the more I thought about it, the more I was just like, eh, honestly, I'm just ready for this to be a show. I've seen a bunch of X-Men movies at this point. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm ready to for the just a much ca- more casual, more drawn out version. Well, and of the, these characters. To your point, there's just a million characters that matter, and the yeah. best way to do a lot of characters has always been a TV show. Can you imagine if Game of Thrones were movies? Dear God, how much would be? I do know what that's reduced. Like. It's Lord of the Rings. Eh. No, because that's my only real criticism about Lord of the Rings is that like it should have been a, it should have been a show. Because it would have been, it would have been much better. <laughs> All right, you 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 are very solo in that in that opinion. I'm, just, so look, I'm, I'm not, not saying the movies are bad. I'm just saying when you start to approach four to five hour long run times, it's like, okay, <laughs> why don't we just break this up into hour long episodes? Um, but anyway, so season one, 
obviously I'm going to call it first class. Um, but like, I think the show as a whole could just be, I would like, I think it would be kind of neat it to just call it the X-Men instead of X, because there's a million things called X-Men. Um, or you could be cute and call it uncanny X-Men because yeah, that's the history. title of the, that's the title of the comic. Yeah. Um, but each season will kind of like probably loosely have like a little subtitle. Obviously, season one would be first class. So (laughs) does that mean does that mean that the one with most of the diversity is called second class? As in citizens, it's not it as in it would be weird to call it that because that would imply that people are second class. You get what I'm saying? (laughs) Um, yes, I, yes, I get the joke. We had a woman. Uh, <laughs> we had a woman who was upset about her ticketing, uh, and she was justified in what she was upset about because, but it was very much not our, uh, not within our control. And this white woman was like, "I feel like I am a second class citizen," and I'm like, "Oof!" Ironically, in the system that you're complaining about, you are. Uh, but also, it's funny because you're white, and of course you're not. Um, <laughs> like you've never been treated that way in your life. So shut up and don't use that phrase, please. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm like scrolling through my hastily written notes and I just got to Magento's Hemet, which is Magneto's helmet. helmet. Yep. Congratulations. (laughs) You found the title of the episode. (laughs) Magento's Hemet. I would have gotten away with it too if it weren't for you kids and Mag- Magento's Hammett. Uh okay. <laughs> Alright, so anything to not actually do this. So episode one is largely going to focus on obviously the recruitment of the first class. We are going to get a little bit of background on Charles. We are purposefully not going to get too much. Uh, background on Eric, uh, but essentially we are largely going to follow Charles as he essentially, you know, we see that he graduates Oxford. We get a little bit of a cameo from Moira McTaggart. So he's he's British in your version. No, you can go to Oxford and be any from any nationality. Just 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 clarifying. I, I personally, there are a bunch of different ways you could go with both Charles and Eric. I am not at all nailed down to British. Um, in fact, one person I definitely considered for Magneto was Pedro Pascal, because I just think that would be neat. You think that Magneto should be everyone's dad? Wouldn't that make it a lot more a lot more difficult to fully hate him? But there's no moments in which... there's ne- Honestly, there's never been an argument in which Magneto has been a decent father, so... <laughs> Well, no, but like that's where the acting comes in for Pedro Pascal. I just thought like, then you also I, have I, to I be like, like a- okay, are you going to include Polaris in this? Because like you know we've kind of established that spoilers. We've seen the Ma- the Maximoff parents, so spoilers. Um, oh, all right, but cool. also you don't you know how much it sucks that like I definitely like okay because I can technically find a workaround for Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, but also I think nobody would want me to. Yeah, no, one of them's dead and one of them's much older than the rest of the characters that we're playing with. So, like, there kind of is no major point, aside from doing House of M to do that, but there's also other characters you can make do House of M, so. 
But, like, it's X-Men, and so there are so many different ways to bring back people. You could just pull any of them out of Claremont's ass. Like, <laughs> so it's just like... <laughs> uh, that's probably going to be in the description, pulling things out of Claremont's ass. Yep. Uh, so... You mean everyone for every X-Men plot? <laughs> Uh, we're largely going to follow Charles. Uh, we are going to be somewhat true to the comics throughout this. Although we're again, purposefully not revealing too much because obviously there's room for flashbacks in the future and certain reveals and things like that. So Charles meets Eric in Israel, uh, while he's working abroad and trying to do good things. And they immediately strike up a friendship uh, eventually, not right away, but eventually is they Eric both reveal... a displaced European Jew or is he Israeli? That honestly is something that I would, if I were genuinely doing this, would confer with writers that know more about that. That's fair. It's a, certainly a choice based on the way that like Israel has embraced like Western imperialism. And that's my opinion. Um, well, obviously, this is also in the past. So. Yeah, and well, I mean, then re- theoretically, yes, then it would be right at the onset of Israel existing um, as a formal nation state carry on. Yeah. So uh, basically, they do their Charles Eric thing. They have debates and they talk about things and they're very close. And eventually they both reveal like, yes, we're mutants and we both speak from a sense of authority on mutant matters. Uh, and they... We don't get a ton of that specific argument stuff here. That will come a little bit later for obvious reasons. Um, Then Charles basically wants to set up, you know, Charles is basically, he wants to find and train mutants to control their powers so they can be accepted. I want to make a school. Accepted into society and like be one with everyone. And Eric just straight up, distrusts humanity. He's like, dude, look around. They're going to fuck shit up because they're made to fuck. Like, that's what they've literally always done to the end of time. Um, So Charles eventually works his way up to working for a secret government sect that's like specifically made to look further into mutation. You can come up with some MCU reason of like the blip or whatever for like, Hmm, we should probably look more into this mutation stuff. I mean, everything is the blip. So yes. (laughs) Yeah. You could be cute and tie it into Kamala Khan if you want somehow, but whatever. Uh, it doesn't really matter. Damage damage control would be the obvious one. Yeah. Um, so Charles goes there and he wants to pitch his big idea, But he's like, oh, the guy that largely inspired me to go this far and do this, I should bring him along. So I'm going to bring Eric. And Eric, pretty transparently to us as the audience, only goes and goes to help in order to keep his enemy closer. And like, he's basically like, if there's if they're doing some shit with mutants, I want to be around. I want to be a part of it because if I so you're going the route of they found the school together technically no but i'm more so going the route of the in real life first class yeah sure yeah uh because i do like that concept they did in the movie uh i just didn't like the everything else (laughs) why kill darwin anyway so uh 
they're having a tough time, like, convincing uh, these kind of political government military, like, superiors to kind of, like, be into this because they're basically like, wait, 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 wait. So let me get this straight. You want to be in charge. You want to be in charge of finding mutants and training mutants to control their powers when we already think mutants are dangerous? No, why would we do that? Why why would we do that? Um, And then, boom, explosion a little bit further out, because this is obviously in New York, because everything is New York. Uh, And this is essentially where Scott Summers has accidentally, like, his powers activate near a construction site. There's huge, like damage and collateral and debris and all that stuff and he's taken into custody his eyes are like you know wrapped 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 tight shut and they're like whoa what do we do with this fucking guy and before anyone can do anything charles and eric do the charles thing of like they freeze everybody they get they get scott the fuck out of there and scott's like what is happening because he obviously can't see anything so he's he's like what's happening and they're like, don't worry, we're fellow mutants, we're going to get you out of here. And he's like, I'm a mutant? Wait, what? What's going on? <laughs> so they take him back to the government facility, and they now have a little bit more of like a an actual discussion here of like, look, that's what happens when we don't have a place for mutants to control their powers because he can't fucking help this. Like, he opens his eyes and just destruction happens. You need a system that, if you want to be a part of it, fine. If you don't, great. But, like, we can't have some of these mutants just, like, winging it, trying to live their normal lives when some of them can actually accidentally harm people. And then and harm themselves, and then your only recourse is to kill them, or exactly, yeah. Um, and basically, they're on the verge of winning this sort of argument when a research assistant uh, has been looking into this for for a bit, does some very like in the background research, finds out who the kid is, like et cetera, et cetera, and. She basically goes, oh, uh, if I can also interject, uh, I believe the fix for this particular mutant would be actually pretty simple. It's just a ruby quartz headset, maybe, that we could probably get done fairly simply and fairly effectively. And there's data showing that it could actually work. And they go, oh, you know what? Fine, 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 fine. We will let you test run this. You get a couple of handful of mutants you see if you can truly, like, get them under control, get them control, and then we'll go from there. And then Charles, like, goes, thank you very much for, like, uh, coming in at the end there. Uh, I didn't get your name. He's like, And she says, uh, Sage. My name is Sage. Ah, uh, interesting. Yes. Uh, because we're going we're gonna to breadcrumb some things. Good. Uh, and also, if you want Moira McTaggart on, like, that board that they're trying to get, you know, assistance from that's also. I think that's where your audience thought you were going, but, (laughs) (laughs) uh, so basically Eric and Charles effectively split up and they start recruiting people. And this is very important because of things, because of reasons, 
Eric tracks down Hank McCoy, Gunther Bain, uh, Warren Warrington III, and Lorna Dane. Interesting. Charles tracks down Jean Grey, Bobby Drake, Mortimer Toynbee, Jason Wingard, and Fred Dukes. You gotta see, because here's the thing, you're actually even getting so deep to where I I don't actually know everybody's (laughs) name. I know. It was supposed to be part of a reveal, but also, like, fine. Uh, Basically, Eric tracks down Angel, Beast, uh, Unus, I think is how you say his name, and Polaris. Sorry, say what was it? Like, Unus the something... He's like a very early like villain of there. So that's Oh, I see. Okay, got it. I see where you're going. Unus the Untouchable. There we go. Um and Charles tracks down Jean Grey, Iceman, Toad, Mastermind, and Blob. Oh, you're gonna have a young mastermind? That's interesting. Well, he doesn't necessarily have to be young. I guess. Yeah. Not an old man mastermind. The thing I'm going for here is that like Charles basically gets a three for one because I would have Toad, Mastermind, and Blob all work at, like, a carnival. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, so they gather the team. Uh, Charles and Eric do their thing where, you know, it's classic first-class stuff where they argue about the true intentions of the government, the true intentions of humanity. Is this really a good idea? And some of the teens and young adults, or just adults, are equally as paranoid as Eric. So Mastermind specifically allows them to kind of like whoop and just like walk out the front door because he just gets in everyone's heads and they just they just straight up walk out. Um while they're gone, Charles finally kind of like Eric gets through a little bit and he's just like, all right, let me I didn't want to do this. I'll kind of look into the mind of one of these people in charge. And he learns that like essentially they don't intend on going through with this as they've been saying. They're basically going to incapacitate everyone, experiment on them, try and find a, like a X-Men The Last Stand style like cure to like just have a quick fix for any mutants that come up. And so Charles is like, oh, shit. Uh, and he and Eric try to race off to find the kids, but they've already gone. So... Uh, and then uh, basically this is where Sage helps him out one more time and basically Charles learns that she's a mutant as well. Uh, while hiding out, the team the team that's not really a team yet, uh, they either witness a crime happening or somebody recognizes Scott from his earlier incident within the city. One way or another, though, they have to kind of a little bit publicly out themselves and they're attracting way too much fucking attention just by being themselves. And that's when, again, Charles does his freeze everybody thing, wipes all their... And that's very true to the comics, like them coming out for the first time and everybody being like, who's this team? Exactly. Uh, And we hate them. Freezes everyone, gets the kids out of there, wipes everyone's mind, wipes the minds of the government officials steals all their data on all of them and some potential future mutants. Uh, I think this would actually be a good time to kind of like have a little Easter egg of like Aurora Monroe uh, because I know that I read that like Charles actually has met Aurora before, like significantly way before she actually joins the X-Men. So that's a little Easter egg. 
Uh, they also steal the technology that will eventually lead to Cerebro, and they disappear. Uh, so that's the end of episode one. And not every oh, episode. Oh, that's is- one episode? Holy yes. shit. These are uh, this is an hour long. <laughs> uh, but not every episode is going to be this detailed. I just went ahead and was that detailed for the first episode because it's obviously so, setting up a bunch of shit. Recap everyone, every character that you put in this first episode, just so everybody's aware. Cool. Uh, obviously, Charles and Eric, Sage, Moira McTaggart, Warren Warrington, the third angel, Beast, Worthington, Worthington. I put Warren Warrington. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, Angel, uh, Jean Grey, Iceman, obviously Cyclops, like the first class. And then what is essentially going to be the first version of the Brotherhood, which is Unis, the Untouchable, uh, Blob, Mastermind, Toad, and Polaris. All right, cool. Yeah. Uh, and I said more. Yeah, I said more. Um, so the next episode, A House Divided. See what I did there? It's just a little, it's a little reference. Um, <laughs> so basically, they're all... And this is essentially what we said should have happened in X-Men First Class, the movie. Which is, they're all kind of training. They're figuring out their powers. They're getting to know each other. They're all at the mansion. And you can clearly see Charles is influencing some of them and Eric is influencing some others of them. And there's sort of this invisible line that's being drawn and they don't quite know it yet. Um, Moira and Hank help with R&D uh, and like, you know, getting the first steps toward like like a full Cerebro going uh, obviously there's more Eric and Charles debates, uh, factions start to form, tensions, I'm gonna say that, like, tensions start to boil over, really, when, uh, Blob basically, you know, it has a sore spot about certain things, and starts, like, berating Gene, and, of course, Cyclops has to Cyclops, and so he blasts Blob through the fucking mansion, uh, and everyone starts to square up, and then, both Charles and Eric are like, okay, what we're not gonna do <laughs> is fucking, like, throw people through walls when we have arguments. Uh, but essentially, it becomes this thing, uh, oh, very notably, uh, one of the mutants that, like, actually does a- go out of his way to play devil's advocate for Eric agrees with Eric on a many different points and also gets along really well with Eric, is Beast. Yep. So we're sprinkling that in. Hank McCoy is a bad man. Uh, But we're going to try and be a little (laughs) subtle, like nuanced with that. Um, Yeah, no, it would would feel really, really ham-fisted if you went straight to the bad. Yeah. We're going to basically have it so there's like, he's like, I mean... What's wrong with saying that Eric has a point? Like, it's that's basically his thing. It's like, you're not, like, pledging yourself to Magneto by admitting that he has made valid arguments. Like, come on, Scott. Like, that's basically his stance. Um, There's basically this thing of, like, Eric is insistent of, like, look, Charles, I know you have this wonderful, beautiful dream 
that like we're all going to get along and everyone's going to be able to live in harmony. That's not going to happen. I've lived through tragedy. I've lived through this torment. I've lived on this earth just like you have. And I know you lived a nice, comfy, spoiled, rich, entitled life. And that's your perspective on the world. Fine. But it's not mine. And for some of these people, it's not theirs either. So as long as that's the case, we are not going to work as a full unit. So I think the most productive way for us to go forward, the way that nobody has to get hurt, nobody has to have anything worse happen, and we also don't attract a huge amount of attention to us by blowing each other through fucking walls, Scott, is that we have to split up. You do your thing. We're going to do our thing. And I guess we'll meet each other out there if we ever meet each other out there. And this is basically where he goes, like, everyone who's with me is with me. The Brotherhood joins. Notably, Beast does not join. But it's like it's like kind of one of those things of... I forget what shows do this, but it has, I've seen it happen a couple of different times of like, they heavily tease that one person's going to do a thing and then another person does it instead. Uh, Yeah, it's, yeah. So the whole episode, it's being heavily hinted that Beast is probably going to go with Eric, but instead Polaris goes with Eric, which... Nobody knows why for a little bit, I'm sure. Right, it's it's like a little bit like, oh. Like that actually catches a lot of the... X-Men off guard. So they ultimately leave, and that's the end of the second episode. Like I said, the first one was really detailed. These rest of them are not going to be. So the third episode... How long are these seasons? I actually... I don't don't know. Uh, (laughs) Okay. Uh, And how... uh, Like, what year is this all taking place? So that's another thing, is that I kind of think... Maybe it would be smart to have first class stuff happen in the 2000s. Okay. And then like, quote unquote, present day is all the second class stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Again, I don't really know how you're going to do with actors in this case, because like, again, to have like a 16 year old Jean Grey and then you eventually do genuinely have to have a like 30 something year old Jean Grey. It's like do you just have two different actresses play Jean Grey? Is that going to be a is that going to be weird? Um are the is the audience going to be fine with that cuz I'm fine with that, but like, you know, it's a whole thing. Uh that I don't have the answer to. So, episode 3, ready or not, uh this is essentially kind of like once we the first two are like a kind of two halves of a whole introduction. That's what I was saying of like, if you wanted to take those first two episodes and just make a movie, you could. You could. Um, so the third episode deals with uh, them finally getting the danger room up and running and they are struggling to function as a unit. Uh, Charles suggests selecting a leader and naturally Hank is like, well, clearly, I mean, I mean, come on, like, I'm the smartest, I'm the oldest, 
let's go. Like, what is even, what is there even to talk about? And just low key, like, everyone's like, nobody wants to follow you, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I actually really like this dynamic. Yeah. I liked it. I liked it too. I was there. I didn't know how any of this was going to like fly in terms of like an actual X-Men fan. So it's very encouraging. Um, Elsewhere, the Brotherhood set up shop at that carnival where three of them came from. Uh, and they actually, like, start really gelling as a team. Like, Eric is pretty hands-off with them. He's just like, don't fuck shit up, and uh, I'll come get you when I need you. And he's just basically like, yeah, that's how Eric is. Eric is scheming on his own. The other mutants are largely experimenting with their powers, or they're getting to know each other better. And Polaris is kind of like Polaris understands that between the two ideals, Eric's is the one that's more realistic, but she'd be lying if she was like fully, fully on board with the idea of like, all right, we're going to fuck shit up. So you get that little tension a little bit in this episode. Uh, and then, obviously, Hank thinks he should be leader. Scott actually argues Gene should be the leader because he sees Gene as being more level-headed. She's probably the most mature out of all of them. And she's, more than likely, the most powerful. And so he's just like, yeah, why didn't Gene, be, why didn't Gene do it? And Gene kind of is like, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, I did not sign up for that. Uh, so this is when, while they're kind of arguing and debating this, this is the emergence of the Vanisher, who uh, basically has been going on a bit of a crime wave and is very emboldened and is a bit of like... <sighs> He thinks he's kind of Antifa, but realistically, he's more like January 6th. So... Sure, okay. He, and he's emboldened by seeing mutants in the news. Right. And, like, he's like, you know what? You know what? You know what? You think mutants are so fucking bad? Fine. I'm going to be the bad guy, and I'm going to show you just how bad mutants can be, and I'm going to go to the White House, and just you try to stop me. And the X-Men are like, all right, we'll, we'll stop you. <laughs> so uh, there's a fight. You can have fun with this fight as, like, you know, Vanisher is a very tricky opponent for them. Scott is actually trying, like, I would say Hank gets very annoyed with Bobby. Hank gets very annoyed with, like, the snark, the sarcasm, the quips. And he's like, if you would just, for fuck's sake, just mature and just, like, do your fucking thing. You can be one of the strongest of all of us. But until you do that, you're going to be a fucking failure. You're going to get one of us killed. And Scott's like, that's too harsh. Like, Bobby's the youngest. Like, let Bobby be a fucking kid. Because the rest of his life, he's going to be fighting for his goddamn life. Like, I don't care if Bobby's, like, joking during the fight. As long as he does his shit. Um, so Scott eventually starts actually leading them. And Gene is getting a little bit frustrated, but also is, like, definitely holding back, obviously, for obvious, it's Gene. And then Scott notices this, 
And Gene's like, I don't know what to do. How do we fight somebody that we can't pin down? And Scott is like, well, why don't you just grab a hold of... Because basically, she's tried to like use telekinesis on him, but he just teleports. He basically slips out of her telekin- telekinesis. Um, and Scott's like, well, maybe you should try grabbing something that he can't just run away from. And so Gene grabs his heart. And it's like, okay, that works. And Vanisher's just like, oh, okay. And then, Traumatizing. Well, it's traumatizing for about 60 seconds because anyone that knows this story knows Charles wipes his fucking mind. Which... Some people have opinions That's not great. about. <laughs> yeah. So Gene is conflicted now. You start to see little mirrors in the two teams because, like, Polaris is a little bit uneasy and now Gene's is a little bit uneasy. Um, and after this, Gene immediately shoots down any option of her leading the team. And now she suggests Cyclops, who, while Hank was being a little bitch boy and like tr- just like throwing a fucking tantrum when people wouldn't do the of course the obvious smart thing like Scott actually just dealt with the cards he was handed and just started leading people because they needed a leader so Scott has made the leader Hank is begrudgingly like yeah alright I'll, fo- uh, yeah, I'll follow him uh, but specifically this is a mutant attack that was broadcast that was like basically like, hey, hi, we're mutants and we're going to go to the White House and fuck shit up. And so all of this was caught on camera. Unlike the first time where Charles could swoop in and like wipe everyone's minds, that's not the case now. So the lid is kind of blown up. And this is where, because this is the MCU, now you can like pay lip service to like, Okay, so obviously if the Avengers, uh, sorry, obviously if the mutants are going to show up on the fucking White House lawn and duke it out, I think the Avengers would probably do something. <laughs> so, yeah, they basically, uh, they're like, uh, I don't, how should we? An Avengers representative would show up at some point and be like, hey, yeah, <laughs> like Sam Wilson's probably going to show up and be like, listen, and then he's going to get beat up by Ant-Man. Um <laughs> All over. He's like, not again. Um, But so specifically, this catches the attention of Hulk, who makes a note to study mutants a bit closer because he is rarely qualified. Like he's, he's looking into radiation. He's looking into mutation. So he's like, before we act, I want more information. I want I want oh, to so know- you're going to have Bruce accidentally make the cure. No. Oh, okay. But I like where your head's at. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. Um, and then I thought about having this thing where, like, we could establish that maybe Moira McTaggart works with what it, sword, basically. Um, yeah, okay. Because, like, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I do know at some point, for whatever reason... Moira switches sides. So it's like... Yeah. I just want to start, like... I don't want to say that she's shady, but I want to say that, like, 
look, Moira's gonna Moira. She has her fingers and other stuff. Yeah, Moira's gonna Moira at the end of the day. And then the episode ends with Magneto secretly enlisting Mastermind to brainwash Polaris. Oh, Jesus. Okay, we're, we're getting there. All right. Yep. <laughs> and You're doing a really wonderful job making first class interesting beyond their own personal inter- interconnected problems. Thank you. I worked really hard on this. <laughs> Um, so Mastermind is going to uh, brainwash Polaris into thinking that Magneto is her father. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and this is essentially one big setup. It's one big foreshadow for a thing that will happen much later down the line. And those who know, know. So, uh, episode four, Under the Microscope, uh, this is basically- I don't even know if I know. Oh, yeah, the stuff with Gene. The stuff with- Carry on. Well, Mastermind's stuff with Gene, where he like- Oh, right, okay. Yeah. Um, so, the team's beginning to take shape, uh, <sighs> but there, uh, this is basically the Fallout episode from the previous one, where there's a lot more anti-mutant sentiment- there's a lot of tension now. The teens kind of like don't really know what they're supposed to do. Charles is like endlessly optimistic, but like this is sort of when you start to get a little bit of that friction of like, okay, Charles, like we get it and we, we're, we're with you. We're on your side, but also people want to literally fucking kill us. So, uh, you know... At some point, we're going to start to maybe having to prioritize us over humans. But, you know, whatever. whatever. Um, in addition, I would also say that this is, like, just a pure character building episode. It's an episode where, like, they have no real, like, like uh, they're not exactly hidden anymore. Um, people are theorizing who they are. Some of them are, like, you know maybe get their covers blown fully. And, like, this is a social media age, so we're going to kind of treat it that way of, like... I think this would hit Bobby really hard. Of, you know, he's the youngest of them. He may have actually still had friends that he was in contact with, and now he's noticing that maybe some of his friends are starting to treat him differently. He misses, you know, obviously his parents and being at home and he wishes that his life was different. This would be a great episode of like Gene and Bobby bonding and like, you know, it's a it's a character episode. I could just leave it at that. I could just leave it at that. I just leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah. Carry on. Um, There's so much more to say. And right. So much more to do. <laughs> so at this point, I'm going to largely speed run the rest of this season because this is most of the stuff that needed to be spelled out. It's 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 all going to be built up to a battle between the Brotherhood and the and the X-Men probably, right? Yes. Uh but there are some twists but before, probably with some other There's stuff. some twists yeah. before we get there. Uh at some point between that last episode and the end uh Beast straight up walks out of the X-Men. And he's just like I jo- I stayed here because I aligned with your ideals, even though I fully acknowledge that objectively it was a rare time for me where I put logic aside. And now I'm starting to wonder if maybe I shouldn't have done that. And maybe I should have done the thing that made sense to me logically. 
like I always have. Uh, this is a ruse. It's a it's a full ruse. Uh, Hank basically has an ego, and he is essentially he doesn't trust Scott or Charles to be the ones to actually get shit done. So essentially, he's taking matters into his own hands, claiming he's quitting and joining the Brotherhood to essentially try and like secret agent this thing all on his own. Like he almost almost in a way wants to place himself in Magneto's spot. Yeah. Like as a leader in that case. Yeah. Like he he's like, oh, I can't be the leader of the X-Men. All right. I'm going to literally single handedly save everyone. <laughs> yeah. OK. Yeah, uh, that's a really fun character to play with because, like, yeah, you don't necessarily think that they have fully, fully turned coat, but you also know that they're, that it's like, you you can't do that. Right. It's not actually possible for you to do that. Yeah, and this is where it's Especially actually- you, you young man. <laughs> and this you is where young, probably white man. This is where it also gets uh, interesting because of the meta for once. Because there've been a shit ton of versions of the X-Men and people might know enough about the X-Men and they're like, wait a minute, Beast never, wait, does Beast, Beast doesn't join the Brotherhood, right? Like you could kind of play with fire a little bit of going like, oh, we're not going to go in a straight line yeah, to this, to this destination. Uh, while Beast is over there with the Brotherhood... And there, you could have a little tension, obviously, of like once you, you know, switch sides in a gang war, everyone's a little bit like, are you for real? Like, you know, but like Hank eventually like, you know, passes off the ruse that like, yeah, I fully joined you guys and I'm loyal to you guys. Let's get the shit done. I'll prove it. Here's some tech that like I worked on. It's basically like, you know, a version of Cerebro or whatever you want to do. Um, and basically that whatever episode this happens in might end with like Hank maybe starting to realize that Polaris isn't all there or like he, she says something about her past that directly contradicts what we've heard in a previous episode. And he immediately is like, um, let's file that (laughs) away. Maybe I don't want to be here either. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so eventually, like, this sets up a whole thing of, like, uh, let me jump to the end. The end of this is Alpha. Alpha. The ultimate mutant. Say more. <laughs> okay. Uh, it is essentially a mutant that was created by Magneto to essentially get smarter as it goes on and to essentially have any power and like like any power if I can wants got it so basically magneto was going to use this thing to take over uh the american government and essentially be like hey fuckos so we noticed how you can't run this fucking country right so we're going to take over and we're going to be a safe haven for mutants, and you can fuck off. Like, I don't care where you go, but you can't stay here. Because, look, uh, the government has not been telling you everything. The government hasn't told you 
about the secret X program that I was a part of, that Charles was a part of, that had us recruit mutants just so they could experiment on us to develop a cure weapon for us. So, you know, I'm thinking due to like shit like global warming, shit like, you know, the constant deaths of black people at the hands of police, I'm thinking because of putting kids in cages, I'm thinking because of how royally we fucked up the coronavirus, I'm thinking maybe you guys don't deserve a country. Maybe we should just take it, and this will now be the United States of Mutants instead. I think that'd be a good idea. Don't you guys think that'd be a good idea? Uh, And this is basically just when the X-Men fight the Brotherhood, they win. <laughs> it's the fanboys t- would probably comment about how it was anticlimactic and it didn't feature apocalypse enough. And then, you know, internet would be the internet. Carry on. <laughs> Obviously, Magneto slips away. Um, and we might have a little bit of tension between Gene and Scott because Scott wants to straight up kill Magneto. And Gene's like, no, let's not do that. <laughs> Uh, cause we're also going to start the thing of like, Scott's got a lot of issues. <laughs> Scott's been through some shit and that's really going to pick up in season two, which is largely going to, uh, be a slow burn, like fading into the second class. Uh, also the thing we're going to do at the end of the season finale of season one is we're going to go back to Hulk and uh, Hulk is basically looking into an incident that happened up north, and he's looking at a facility, and he's like, holy oh. shit. Holy shit. This place looks like a fucking tornado tore through here. There's just like fucking papers and bodies and blood. What the fuck happened? So you're going to honor the real first appearance of Wolverine. Yes. <laughs> And I'm really excited about it. Because <laughs> I realize I'm like, you know, I don't like the idea of just having Wolverine just show up. I think Wolverine needs his own specific introduction. Wait a minute. <laughs> we have Mark Ruffalo. We have the technology. Um, <laughs> so Especially uh, if they unionize. So, uh... Somebody, like, he's talking to somebody. I guess it doesn't fully matter who. Maybe it's Moira. Maybe it doesn't really matter. Uh, He's like, who the hell did this? Uh, And she's basically like, well, it's a a mutant. And you're like, what, the X-Men? And she's like, not the X-Men. A different kind of X. Slaps down a folder, Weapon X. That's your thing into the season two. Fucking, fuck yes. Uh, So season two is not nearly as structured and laid out as season one was it just has concepts that i know we can do and probably should do so season two is going to be fucking jam-packed with multiple storylines weaving in and out of each other it's going to have the the formal introduction of the hellfire club it's going to have stuff we're not going to go too far but we're going to have just enough of a teaser of potentially more stuff in the future where Scott rescues his brother from Mr. Sinister. 
Um, like it, like it, like it. We're going to explore a bunch of different things. We're going to establish that, yes, Iceman is gay. Iceman has been gay from day one, episode one. Uh, we're also going to establish that... Uh, <laughs> I just love the fucking cheek of this. Uh, Bobby's been talking to this one dude, uh, also lives in New York City. Uh, he's a little flighty, but like, uh, you know, human torch, he lo- like, you know, I think I might, you know, one day move in with my friend Pete and, uh, <laughs> like we're friends now. I don't, really, right. I don't really know where it's going to go, but like, you know, I wouldn't mind if it went somewhere, you know, uh, Spider-Man and his amazing friends. And we're just, we're just because it's Sony because of all the bullshit, we're just going to be cheeky about it. We're just going to drop hints. We're just going to say, yeah, my friend Pete. My friend Pete. My friend Petey. And that's all. That's all we're going to (laughs) say. And if Disney gets the rights back to Spider-Man, which I doubt, but if that ever happens, then you could just fucking have Tom Holland occasionally just, like, just show up. Just cameo. And just be like, hey, guys, I'm Pete. And just, like, just have him be Pete. Do not have him be Spider-Man. Just straight up do the thing of like, hey, where's Pete? Wasn't he just here? Oh, I guess he must have went somewhere else. And then like have Spider-Man show up on the TV in the background. Like be fucking cute about it, man. Yeah, that's actually funny. <laughs> I like that. Or like like quite literally outside the window, he's fighting like <laughs> yeah. a random like the armadillo guy. <laughs> Like that, like that thing uh, in Amazing Spider-Man with Stanley and yes, with Stanley is exactly what I'm referring to. Um, and obviously, a lot of season two is going to be the breadcrumbing of the second class. We're gonna get the initial confrontation and meetup of Wolverine and the Hulk, where uh, Wolverine like largely takes advantage of the fact that this is like mostly Prime Wolverine. And like full hunter mode versus like Mark Ruffalo Hulk, who has not actively been in the field in forever. Like, it's not that fucking close. Like, Mark puts up a decent fight, but once he try once Hulk tries to headbutt Logan and goes, Ooh, that was a bad fucking idea. And then just Logan just like bam, 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 like five headbutts in a row and just knocks out Hulk. And then Charles is probably in the background being like, interesting, this man might become my favorite person ever. No, no, not yet. Uh, But because Ruffalo has passed out, Logan's about to walk away and he notices it and he looks back and Ruffalo turns back into like Bruce Banner. And so this stops Logan. He's like, interesting. So he ties him up to a tree, goes through his Say more right now. (laughs) I said say more right now. Uh, Ties him up to a tree, uh, like, like, fucking gets him an actual fitting pair of pants uh, because that happened. Um, And goes through his fucking stuff, waits for him to wake up, and just basically goes like, so, you work for uh, S.W.O.R.D., the Avengers, right? And Brant Banner's like, oh, this is awkward. Um, these are not my pants. And Logan's like, yeah, I changed your fucking pants because they're like 10 sizes too big. 
He's like, thank you. <laughs> uh, but they basically have a talk and it's kind of interesting because you wouldn't think they'd have stuff to talk about, but it's like Logan basically is like, so that thing. We're both monsters. So that thing you turn into, did somebody do that to you? Did somebody like mess with you in order to get you to like come after me? And Banner's like, oh, no, no, no. This has nothing to do with you. I fucked this up myself. I did this to myself. And he's like, hmm, a man with regrets. I fucks with that. Uh, And so basically, like, Logan and Hulk have this kind of dynamic where, like, Logan's very much like, look, pal, I just escaped from one facility that was using me for shit. And then I escaped before that. I escaped from another facility that was trying to get me to do shit. I don't think three is the charm in this case. So best of luck to you. Um, I think if you can turn back into that thing, you'll be able to free yourself from the tree. Deuces. And Bruce basically does his Bruce. This is the thing, the dichotomy of Bruce and Hulk of like Hulk could never realistically like reason with Logan this way. But Bruce actually is like. Hey, 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 look, just hear me out. I know you've been through some shit. I've definitely been through some shit. There have been so many people that tried to use me for their own gain. I'm not trying to do that to you. But I know what it's like to wander around and not really know what you're doing. And I know what it's like to finally have meaning again. And I just want to help you get that. Uh, So this is, like, sprinkled within season two. It is not, like, it might be its own episode, maybe. Like, one episode, yeah. Or, like, you could just have this, like, be a B-plot in another episode. Because I'm really not trying to focus on it. That's the same. You know what's interesting about, like, structuring it like this is that it feels like Game of Thrones. Yeah. When you really just dedicate some time to a character, but then you let them go for a little bit. Yeah. And with the amount of characters that are involved in the amount of like micro factioning that happens, you have to kind of treat it like Game of Thrones. Yeah. And that was absolutely in the good seasons. That was absolutely my goal with this was like with how sprawling X-Men is with how much detail, how many characters it's like, you kind of have to treat this like a Game of Thrones thing where you have to start, once you get past the first season, the first season can be really linear, can largely be A plot, B plot, just straight up, straightforward. After that, you got to start balancing multiple plates because there's just too much. You cannot just... Or start killing people or both. Well, but I want to like... Because the thing about X-Men... You got to earn people's deaths. You got to earn people's deaths, but also like... With how many times people are resurrected, it's like, at least in the beginning, we have to treat deaths like they're a big deal. <laughs> so that right. once yeah, exactly. the deaths start happening when we can resurrect people, it's still somewhat of a big deal. What are you talking about? In X3, it was like totally made total sense. Uh Oh, yeah. The fucking gene shit. Because uh, I was like, somebody got resurrected in X? And I was like, oh, yeah. Because I just fully just didn't even... I don't even acknowledge that she died. <laughs> yeah, she just became a she just came, became a, a puppet. She just just became that bitch. <laughs> uh so also obviously we're going to get little bits and pieces and moments of like slowly introducing Colossus, 
Nightcrawler, Storm. I'm toying with the idea that like the first, the very Charles is on a world tour, a cerebral world tour during this season, as everyone else like has essentially a panic attack around uh, back home. Like is that basically the entire season? Essentially, the season is kind of split into two versions or two phases, I should say. Phase one is like, okay, we've introduced everyone. Now we're going to give everyone side quests. Yeah. We're going to give like Scott the side quest of Mr. Sinister and his brother. We're going to have, you know, Jean exploring her powers, finally getting that telepathy block off and shit like that. You know, stuff like that. We're going to have like Warren deal with his family drama. What Age of Ultron tried to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um... And then uh, the second phase is going to be bridging that gap and starting to fully introduce the new team so that you actually kind of somewhat know these people when they show up. Um, Oh, did I forget the thing? Yeah, I I think I forgot the thing. So, or maybe it could happen. I guess it could maybe happen at the end of season two. But either at the end of season one or season two, what I think would be really neat and be really rad and be really cool is if uh, there's the news thing, they're showing like, you know, the X-Men, they're showing Cyclops and they're like, do, what do we feel about this new mutant presence? Uh, do we think it's a, uh, excuse me, do we think it's a threat? Is it scary? I'm scared personally. And then like somebody turns off the TV and it's like four women in a room lit only by a fireplace and one by one you reveal rogue mystique destiny and emma frost and i like this idea interest that's your take on the hellfire club no Oh, just a separate thing. That's my take on, uh, hey, we're going to give you the answer before the question. Of like, because I think what I like potentially about introducing that in the end of season one is that you kind of forget about it through a lot of season two. And then you just start seeing little pops up, little pop ups like Scott eventually starts looking for answers about his brother, which leads him to Emma Frost. And technically, we've seen Emma Frost before in that tease. Um, But we don't see Raven with her. We don't see uh, Rogue. Or maybe we do see Rogue as, like, you know, essentially the front desk worker who's basically like, come with me, Shug. Or something like that. It could, it could not. Honestly, I could take, I could take it either way. Um, but I think we're also gonna eventually have little peeks into like Destiny, Rogue, and Mystique are basically a family. Like they genu- they live together. Uh, they talk about shit. Like they're their own thing. They're kind of like the um, what's the Pedro Pascal thing in Game of Thrones? Um, the Dornish people. The, the Dornish people. Yeah. Oh, but the group of, yeah, the group of the three women. Yes, I know what yeah, you're talking about. They're basically about. like Dorn, where they're kind of like on the outside, and you know they're going to they're gonna factor into something, but that something hasn't happened yet. It's just establishing characters. And, oh, I had mentioned, uh, I'm toying around with the idea 
Uh, the very first time we see Storm, there's maybe like a very quick blink and you miss it cameo from a dude that we later learn is Gambit. Okay. I mean, the timeline is tricky, but like, I think that would be kind of cute. Uh, and also, it also just makes a little bit of sense. Like, Storm, you know, leading a band of thieves. Remy's there. Like, it it tracks. Um, you could use the Thieves Guild if you needed to. Oh, I know. Uh, and I think I might save Thieves. I think introducing Hellfire Gala and uh, Thieves Guild. Oh, sorry. Hellfire Club and Thieves Guild in the same season kind of feels a little redundant of like these two things kind of do the same thing. Um, yeah. So I might save that to season <laughs> that's three. A, that's a lot of shit in comics. Yeah. Uh, so season two, that's most of the stuff that's going on there. I hope I didn't forget anything. Uh, oh yeah, obviously at some point Polaris, probably in the season one finale, shakes the, uh, uh, illusion from Wingard and joins the X-Men. Sage, uh, transitions to, like, being at the Hellfire Club because, yes, um... Of course, obviously, at some point, Shaw has to be established. Emma Frost is with the Hellfire Club. And the way I'm going to specifically do Emma Frost is I'm going to do Emma Frost as kind of like the woman that knows. Like, I'm going to basically do Emma Frost as Varys, basically. Yeah, she's got her, her ears to everything. Well, her she's got her hand in everyone's brain. Right. And she's li- she's in a little bit of everything, and nobody really knows what side she's on. But it's because they do- they just don't hear the things she says. Sometimes the thing she says is when they like, "Whose side are you on?" She's like, "I'm on my side," and my side always wins. Which then potentially opens her up to being warming herself, defrosting herself to. The X-Men and the plight of mutants. I would actually have it just from get-go. She's like, well, I'm not fucking stupid. Of course I want to help you help mutants. Right. Like, why the fuck would I not want to do that? But I, the way I do it is the way that works towards my skill set, which is that people say, people see an amazingly beautiful, gorgeous, stunning face and a nice figure. And they think nothing of me. They underestimate me. And I use that. I use that to get what I want. Just like how you, I'm going to just assume it's Scott because it's pretty much typically Scott in my universe. Of like, just like how you, Scott, have used a curse of laser beams shooting out of your fucking eyes. And you use that to get what you want. But when you do it, you're a hero. When I do it, I'm a slut. Interesting. Because you actually get to use that gift. I don't use my body for things. I don't do that. Yet people assume. Of course they assume. And it just helps me get what I need. Love it. Uh, But, like, I think it's important to basically play Emma Frost as not being, I'm on any side. No, no, no. She's she's exclusively like, no, I fully support the the mutants and mutants rights and like 
the only reason I'm not with the X-Men is because I don't like how Charles does shit. Like, what the fuck do I want to cuddle up to the humans for? I, no. I don't want to work hand-in-hand with the humans. No, I want to get fucking rich. I want to, like, be fucking... I want to be in power. I want to do my own yeah, shit. Yeah, I want to be untouchable. Right. And then there's also going to be... I like the dynamic of Rogue and Raven. Destiny's there, and, like, we could do stuff with her character, but obviously the main point is going to be Rogue and Raven. And... Well, I mean, she's a she's a clairvoyant, so she's going to have a natural distance from everybody anyway. Yeah, uh, and it's also eventually revealed very far from the actual event that, like, Destiny has already seen Stryker. Interesting. That is a great fucking thing to clock. Yes. Uh, So basically, I want to establish that this family is essentially a ticking time bomb because Destiny Destiny knows about Stryker, Raven knows about Stryker, but they know they can't do anything yet, and they have to just wait. And so, Raven's... And I'm sure that drives Raven up a wall. Yep. <laughs> uh, and also, like, this makes Rogue feel a certain way, because on the one hand, Rogue fully supports what her mothers are doing, what her parents are doing. And she's fully on board with, like, yeah, that guy sounds like a fucking asshole. I hope you fucking ice that fool. But she's also, like, I don't want this to be the rest of my life, though, of, like, just waiting for the next target. Like, this just isn't me. And it's not where my heart's, it's not where my heart's at. And I am going to gleefully swerve out of the way of every trope in the world when it comes to this. Of like, oh, there's a rift between the mother and the daughter and they can't just have a conversation. No, I'm not going to do that. They're going to have a conversation where it's just like straight up full transparency. Like Mystique understands that she's put a lot on Rogue and she didn't want to do that. Is the idea that eventually they would put Rogue in a place where Rogue could touch Stryker and kill him? No. Um... Even in, the, like, I would just straight, I would always have Mystique be like, no, I'm going to be the one to fucking put a stake in that fucker's Yeah, body. that's fair. Um, that's fair. But Raven basically levels with Rogue, and she's like, I didn't want to use you like this. I didn't want to put you in a position where you would basically grow up to be a mini me. I didn't want that for you. Unfortunately, situation after situation happened that put us in this situation where I needed to protect you and you needed to protect yourself. So effectively, I put you down a path that I never wanted you on. And I understand that that's not your path. So I'm going to fully respect whatever you choose to do. If you choose to stay with us, if you choose to go off and do your own thing, by all means all power to you. And Rogue is very much like, I love you guys. I do not want to leave you. I, you're my every, you're my whole world at this point. My former family, like fuck those assholes. Once they found out that I was a mutant, it was just like night and day in this like super Southern conservative, like religious 
area and it's just like nope and so i thank so much that you were there for me and i also thank you for letting me go because yeah this isn't me i need to i need to find my own way i need to do my own thing and it ends up being like it's basically the x-men version of like lilo and nani in the hammock of like it's just a nice tender bittersweet moment of like these two characters are both acknowledging that like i love you i have to let you go goodbye um and you know obviously we build to that i love the idea though of like a if we go down the kiki palma route i love the idea of casting an older black actor. It has to be Angela Bassett. For Mystique. It has to be Angela Bassett. Well, we already had Angela I Bassett. I don't but, care. Uh, it has to be Angela Bassett. <laughs> <laughs> because Kiki Palmer. I'd be okay with Jada Pickett Smith. I, no. After everything, nah. Uh, uh, I don't need that. I don't need all that. But also, <laughs> there's the implication where if you let that actor wear her own skin, like the implication that mystique's kind of fuck you to having to dress as a human is to be like well i'm not gonna just turn into the most convenient thing or i don't know sorry i'm getting this that's actually maybe maybe that's not a great way to do that but anyway (laughs) not saying it shouldn't happen but maybe they maybe they just don't acknowledge it i don't know Um, like the choice of if mystique can look like anyone the concept of in america to look as as she would look in the own skin of the actor playing her is an interesting conversation. Yeah. Uh, I definitely do think Mystique would be full blue in like her own house though. Um, yeah. But like, I don't or know. Or maybe it's just that they happen to put down roots in a black community because it because of the support. Oh yeah. Like I could also definitely see that. Um, but I also kind of think, you you maybe take like a hot like a, a little bit of a rest from Rogue like maybe an episode break from Rogue, then you establish that she's in Louisiana, and you know she meets Remy. They like have a very contentious like first meeting. Rogue does not fuck with him. He loves fucking with her. It's that dynamic. Um, and then I, again, I think you just leave it. I think you have the initial meeting. They go their separate ways. You leave it. You let it cook. Let it simmer. Um, and just like breadcrumb it out to like, you know, that's, I think that's a good season three thing of like introducing thieves, thieves guild shit. Rogue gets caught up in it. Uh, and then, uh, fucking, Actually, no, that would have to be season two. See, this is the timeline stuff is rough. Uh, of like Gambit eventually, you know, helps get her out of it. Well, this is a lot of the stuff that you decide if you have the whole plan. A lot of stuff you decide as you write the episodes and go, ah, this can or cannot fit in a season. Yeah. Um, because I do think like, I think it should, that little mini arc with Rogue and Gambit should end with like Gambit dropping Rogue off at the mansion. And just being like, you know, they've had a very banter-filled, like, tension, sexual tension, but also just regular tension-filled dynamic. And then finally at the end, there's, like, a very sincere moment of, like, hey, but, like, 
actually. This might be what you're looking for, yeah. I think you're really special. And I wish that you could also think that you're special. Because I know your power seems like a curse. But you only got one life. And I think there's no way you move forward without learning to love yourself. And I think that the people here can help you help you with that, hopefully. And if you need anything, you know where to find me. Give me a holler. Uh, and I'll and I'll come running. And, you know, sincerity meets sincerity and like Rogue finally is just like, you know what? Genuinely thank you for everything because you kind of saved my ass. And yeah. I hope that I hope that we see each other again someday. And it's just it's just like they for them, they have no idea that like they're ever gonna see each other. So this is truly like goodbye goodbye for them. Um I think that would be a nice moment. The reason I'm like that probably needs to happen in season two and not season three is because of the way season two will end, which is uh by the time we get to the last episode of season two, all the second class has been established. They've all been recruited in one way or another. So so let me just like ask the question, like, if it's following the comics, Scott is clearly still the leader. Yes. What happened to Hank during all this? Hank, you can have him still be on the team, but I mean, eventually... He leaves like he will always leave at some point. Yeah, I and Bobby's like at school with the whole I'm gay and I'm away from the the school and things like that. Or is he still on the team? Uh, I would have Bobby do his own thing. Hell, maybe go to college. Um, or it's also notable that you have zero reference to Warren <laughs> besides his presence the entire time. Well, Warren, like I did mention briefly, like in season two, Warren's thing is his family drama. Uh, the whole sure. stuff with like his uncle plotting to like take over the fortune and stuff like that. That's his side quest. And he does that. Uh, also Warren is going to be like, like imagine if the Edward Cullen fever was actually good. Yes. Okay. That's basically, I mean, that's kind of what we talked about. Yeah. Like Warren is a bit sad boy hours, but also like, is a rogue like Warren being a rich kid that never got to really do anything takes up some hobbies some of which are lock picking getting the fuck out of it I don't want anybody to cage me is basically angel he's just like yeah I learned how to pick locks because sometimes you need to get the fuck out of your smothering ass that is a really good phrase for Warren Worthington is I don't want anyone to cage me (laughs) I loved what I thought of that. It's a like, really good That's phrase. So accidentally perfect. <laughs> um. Oh, now it makes sense. Okay, yeah. So the stuff with Roe can take place in season three because I don't know why I just got this flash, but like of Angel being like Iranian or something. That wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Like if his family was very much like Middle Eastern money. Like I genuinely like I have no problem. Like having Warren not just be a white dude because yeah. also it's kind of like, because it reminds me of that Bruce Wayne argument of like, Bruce has to be white. He's a rich kid. And it's just like, you want, you want to think about that and run that back by me one more time? <laughs> <laughs> what is that supposed to mean? 
Um, Does the Saudi royal family mean nothing to you? Oof. Oof. <laughs> oof. <laughs> but uh, as a wrestling fan, that hit home for me. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I, I'm sorry, I can't hit, leave that thread hanging. For those that don't know, WWE has done many shows for propaganda's sake with the Saudi government. It's a whole thing. We don't like it. Um, many of the wrestlers don't. It's like all it. just patriarchal, corrupt assholes. Yep, making that uh, choice. Fuck Vince McMahon. Uh, and so okay, I just remembered that yes, we can do some of this stuff in season three because I thought it was gonna be a definite changeover. No, it is not yet. We are more so phasing first class people out this season. We are not so much phasing second class people in yet. So yeah, you're putting them out in the world, but you're not replacing them fully. Right. Uh, so the end of the season finale for season two is actually going to be a big payoff of like a thing that was established like episodes earlier, which is um, we establish this is like some it's been a time skip. Gene is now just a teacher at the school and is not on active duty, not on a team. She's just like, look, man, I kind of hate my powers a little bit. I kind of don't want to keep doing this. Uh, let me actually, like, let me help the next generation by, you know, teaching them, like, fucking biology or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so she works as a teacher there, and she's the therapist as well. She's the therapist for the school. Um, and so... Scott basically stops by, catches her up on, like, how things are. There's some name drops of, like, you know, oh, yeah, uh, heading to Germany or, you know, some shit. Some shit like that. doesn't matter. Um, And he's like, oh, yeah, don't forget uh, to stop by Xavier's office. Uh, He said he had something for you. And she's like, I'm not on active duty anymore. He's like, tell that to Charles. I don't know. He asked for you. And she, you know, hard cut and she's mid argument with Charles of like, I, I'm not in the field anymore, man. And he's like, "Ah, Miss Jean, no, I'm not trying to get you on the front lines anymore. Quite the contrary. You can do this assignment from right here in the mansion. And this conversation they're having leads them outside to where Hulk is. And Hulk is like, uh, Miss Gray, uh, it's nice to finally meet you. I've been, I'm a, big fan of your uh, theses. I actually read a few of them. And she's like, oh yeah, Dr. Banner. I've actually read some of your stuff too. That's great. You know, scientist, scientist, doctor, 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 uh, that thing. Uh, and then Charles gets a little distracted, looks off to the side and goes like, how many times have I told you, Mr. Logan, you cannot smoke on the territory. You cannot smoke on the premises. And it's revealed that... And like, then they look at each other and it's like... Bow, 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 no, no. Bow, bow. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> Not quite yet. Uh, but eventually... That was the last time. But eventually... <laughs> Interesting. So you are not just fully going to glaze over the biggest sin of the entire original trilogy. I think it's perfectly fine for them to do a love triangle. They just didn't do that. <laughs> they just... Yeah. Fucking. And you can reference our episodes from last year if you want right. to know why they didn't do that. <laughs> so basically, like, you know, 
Logan turns around. He's like, you know, this is my this is my medicine, Doc. Uh, in like referring to his cigar, and Gene uses to like telekinesis to basically pluck the cigar from his mouth, and like dump it on the uh like put it out on the ground and give it back to him, and Charles is like Miss Gray, meet your newest assignment, Mister Logan. Uh, he's had quite a ah. few. He's had quite a Jesus, few uh, therapists. Yes, he's had a quite a difficult life, and he could use some, um, a bit of a more delicate transition to working with us. And it's basically, you know, so you're the new, sh- you're my shrink, or, s- or something like that. It's supposed to be like this, like fun, contentious thing of like. We're going to have a lot of work to do. Follow me, Mr. Logan. Uh, And that's what sets up season three. And then season three is just straight up second class. That is the full, like, we are fully going with, like, the training of the second class. They are not fully, like, going out for a lot of the beginning. They are just, like, they're trying to work on teamwork. They're getting to know each other's personalities. (laughs) And they gel probably way more than the last one. They do, but, like, I think it's different. Whereas the first class, all of them had to get used to each other. Some of the second class, like, there are pairs that really work. Like, I think Kurt and Logan immediately, like, they just have that opposites attract chemistry of, like, yeah, they work. Um... I think Scott and Aurora can have like an interesting dynamic of like they're both leaders, they're both alphas, but like I think they more exchange notes and they more kind of like yeah, they have a deep respect. Yeah, they're kind of like and they've dated. I can't I can't even tell you how gross that is. Um <laughs> just fully foul. mom and dad kissing. That's just fully foul. I cannot with this bullshit. <laughs> it, no, I'm talking about Wolverine and Storm, not Cyclops oh, and Storm. You're well, that's that's almost that's almost free because who hasn't Wolverine got with it by this point? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I've been meaning to ask before we go any further, like what happens to the Brotherhood at the end of season one? Are they like just not a thing in season two and Magneto's kind of just doing his own background thing? Are they like completely in the shadows? Like what's the deal? Because do you like clearly you have some plans for Mastermind. I don't know if you have any plans for Blob or and clearly you have plans for Polaris, but like I don't know if you have plans for Blob or anything, but. uh, So. Long story short, and don't ask me the details, Mystique takes it over. Oh, cool. All right. And, you know, maybe I might mess with Emma doing something, with, but probably not. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, yeah, season two ends with, uh, you know, Logan fully, like, joining, and then uh, a lot of season three is like the actual nitty gritty of like, what is the second class? Like we get into more of like, uh, and this is where I was like, Oh yeah. Rogue stuff can go here. Rogue and Gambit are doing their own thing throughout. And like, it's leading to uh rogue joining probably about the middle of the season. Uh, or maybe like after like three or four episodes, um, mid season reveal. Yeah. And then, uh, we're, See, now, I'm going to play with fire once again. <laughs> He's playing with fire. And I'm going to say that, um, look, hey, 
you know, I've gone on record on this podcast, and I've given the original X-Men movie a lot of shit. I don't think it was a bad call to pair Rogue with Wolverine. It was just the sure. full... So you are you are you not also putting Kitty Pride in this situation? Uh, I do have intent to put Kitty Pride in the show, but probably not now because like season two already has enough going on. Sorry, season three. Season sure. three already has enough going on. And I think season four is probably more the right time to like slowly introduce uh Kitty. Um Kitty specifically. Uh because okay. largely Rogue is doing Kitty's thing for season three. Okay. Uh I think there might be a world in which you start planting the seeds for Kitty, like establishing her origin at the towards the end of season three, but uh, she still wouldn't like actually join until season four, probably. Um, so all of this to say, like you work on all this stuff with um, second class throughout season three. You can do whatever storylines you want. You can have as much Emma Frost as you want. You could have a returning Magneto. That's all well and good. None of that really matters, though, because fucking... Anyone can see. Like, second, the second class could just be playing a game of poker for an hour, and we would all watch it. Like, it really doesn't matter. The only thing that does matter is that in the season finale... Of season. I'm I'm very curious, like who they might be, like having altercations with throughout this. Like, are we doing a lot of small time villains along the way? Like, because it is very again Game of Thronesy, meaning it's very interpersonal politics of things. But like, there's a certain. I'm not saying you have to have it, but like, it is nice to see people use their powers and get into fights sometimes. So like, that's the interesting thing about you laying out season two is that it's like we don't have any necessarily explicit physical conflicts besides Hulk versus Wolverine. And so I'm curious if that's made its way into the the architecture of things of them having bouts with other characters. I think Hellfire Club kind of takes the place of what Brotherhood of Movies oh, yeah, did okay, in I season guess. one and season two. I guess, yeah, they could just be some goons. And then uh, season three seems like a really good time to introduce the fuck that is Sabretooth. Um. Oh yeah. You could also have stuff with Trask start to slowly build from like maybe mid season two to season three, or just in season three, if you want. Um, I think the Sentinels might not like truly get going though until maybe season four, because again, like sure, that's that's a big that's a big thing. Um. Or maybe even I don't know because of what's gonna happen next. I don't know if then the Sentinels should come before that or during that, because the thing that's coming up next is a lot. So season three, like, you know, you got the second class. That's up next on Disney Channel. You got Gene being there still as a teacher, as a therapist to Logan. You got Cyclops leading it. Um, We may get a cameo from, like, a returning Bobby Drake for, like, an episode, or we may check back in with Warren. Oh, I meant to say um, that there will be Banshee as well, and there will be Thunderbird 
as well. But Thunderbird is basically... No Sunfire? Huh? Yes. No Sunfire? And, and Sunfire. Um, we're going to go ahead and say that, like, uh, they're more kind of, like, tertiary, though. Um, I think second class might be far more of a, an elite squad, so that, like, you could start taking subunits out and not have the entire team for every single thing. Um... That way, when they do go with the full class, like the full gang, it's like a big deal. It's like shows like, okay, no, this is serious. Um, but like Thunderbird, I am reshaping all by a lot. Um, I'm actually going to have Thunderbird play a more prolonged role, especially a more prolonged role than he initially had. He's going to be slightly more meaningful than he initially was he's not going to be a fucking stereotype and we are limiting his powers to flight strength reflexes and a very like tough skin of like you know it takes a lot to cut through his skin to pierce his skin to like even like bruise his skin or like break a bone like he's like durable um we are going to change his power set to that and that alone. He is not going to have a way of hunting and tracking and be one with no, animal sense. We're not going to fucking do that shit. He is basically going to be typical, like generic, like he fly, he lift, he throw punch like that, that thing, um, which also is kind of interesting because you got now you have like. Thunderbird, Colossus, and Wolverine, who all, like, if any of those three punch you in the face, you're done. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I forgot to mention that earlier. Uh, the season three finale is essentially, it's like an average day. Rogue has been fully established by this point. She's like, when am I going to be able to, like, do more? I feel like I should, be, I feel like I can do more if you guys just give me the opportunity and basically everyone's like, look, bro, just just chill for a sec. Like, just hold <laughs> on. We got it. We got a girl who makes lightning and three dudes who can rip your head off. Like, I think all of them are just speaking more from the experience of Do life. you think that she doesn't get her flight and super strength until later? Uh, currently, she... Like, she's a part of the mansion, but she's not technically as super as everyone else yet? Yes, exactly. Like, she is a student. Um, and she's learning meaningful things. Like, she's basically... She's like a goth Hermione. She is taking as many classes as she can. She's learning as much as she can. She is a sponge. She is like, throw me into anything. I want to learn all of it. I want to go. I want to actually do some shit with my life for once, and I'm ready. Let me in, coach. Let me at them. And they're like, bro, no, nobody should ever want to throw themselves into the front line of a goddamn war. You need to relax. I want to know. <laughs> can you show me? I want to know about these strangers like me. The mutants. Um, this is all, like, kind of, like, this is just the ambience of a regular, normal day. And then all of a sudden, like, 
Professor Xavier is like finishing up uh like an advanced like whatchamacall class. It doesn't really matter. And then all of a sudden he like stops mid-sentence. He just And he looks out the window and then somebody goes, uh Professor? Is everything okay? And he looks back for a second, he goes, You're all dismissed. Um have a uh, have a good day. I I must see to something very quickly. Uh, and he scoots out on his little rolly chair. And that's so <laughs> I just I can't help myself but be mean to Charles. way to way to belittle someone I with know. a disability. I just I just I I just am that way with Charles at this point. It's <laughs> has nothing to do with his disability. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry if I've offended anyone. I just like to fuck with Charles. Um, so Charles immediately finds Aurora and he's like, get everyone together and meet me at Cerebro immediately. And she's like, is everything okay? And he's like, do as you're told. And she's like, okay, Jesus Christ. Um, so she starts rounding up the second class Rogue is still doing her. Th- she's pleading her case. She's like, I can tell something's up. I can tell something's wrong. Just come on. Just let me help you guys. And then Logan like strolls up behind her and she's like, and he's like, you know what? Yeah. I think you should give her a chance. Like to give perspective. They're like, they're at the elevator uh, going down to Cerebro and Rogue's on the other side. They're all in the door and Logan comes up behind Rogue and he's like, yeah, I think you should really hear the kid out. I think she has a lot to offer. And then, like, you know, puts an arm around her and, like, <laughs> the elevator door is closing and Rogue's trying to, like, stop it. And judge. <laughs> look, Logan just, like, keeps her there. He's like, that a girl. All right. <laughs> I just think that's what it's really fun to, like, actually genuinely have their, like, kind of older brother, uh, younger sister dynamic. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that would be really cool. Um, but then... Well, of course, because of that, uh, Logan has a really quick powwow with uh, Rogue, goes down to Cerebro. Everyone's looking real serious. And Logan, like, you know, lights up a cigar as he's off to do, strolls into Cerebro. And <laughs> it's so funny. I think Scott, of all people, should just, like, look, do a double take at him and go, really, man? Now? And, like, re- can you read the room? And he's like, oh, no, no. I'm oh, sorry. It, it's not Scott. It's um probably Aurora. It's just like, how many times has he told you to not smoke in this room? He's like, for God's sake. Um, how many times have I told you to fuck off? <laughs> and Charles is like, quiet. This is important. And uh, Aurora's like, or somebody's just like, will you tell us like what's going on? What is happening right now? And he's like, I just received. I'm not quite sure. I felt. Jean from somewhere. I know she's not here. She hasn't been here for about a week. She took some time off. I don't, I briefly felt her and then now I can't feel her at all. I don't know what's going on. And so they're using Cerebro to try to track Jean and it leads them to like this secluded island and they see not just Jean, they see like all of the first class except for Scott and they're like when was the last time you saw Scott and 
Logan's like, you know what? I was wondering why I was in a good mood. And he was like, actually, come to think of it, I haven't seen Scott in like a couple days, actually. And like you feel the mood sort of turn a little bit. And everyone's like, what the fuck is going on? And then suddenly, Cerebro, Cerebro's doors open. Rogue is there with a fucked up Scott Summers like draped across her shoulder in that in that way that you know in movies uh and his goggles are have been like you know they're half of them is like destroyed and he looks up at them with his actual eyes and he's like you have to we have to save we have to save we have to save them and they're like what the fuck is happening? What your your eyes are eyes again? What what hap? Rogue, get some like get get another pair of his goggles, please God, because I'm not risking this shit. And it's basically like a big cliffhanger of you know what the fuck happened to the first class? They're not supposed to be a team at all. Like Scott was just here the other day, and now he's like a fucking wreck. And for anyone familiar. This is Krakoa. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so the next beginning of the following season deals with like that fallout and them uh, saving the first class from the living island of Krakoa. And I'm going to alter it slightly of what happens in the real life ver- in the actual version versus, excuse me, what I need to happen here for reasons, for streamlining reasons. So... They grab Polaris, obviously. Uh, they grab Havoc for good measure because those two are together. Because I mean, spoilers. Um, and yep, they're in a relationship. Yeah. Uh, they all head there. Uh, Scott's with them. He's like, I am not gonna fucking sit this one out. I need to see if Jean's okay. Um. And they go there, you know. There's some stuff that happens. If that's how it was actually worded, I can see the fandom just ripping apart being like, really, Scott? You don't give a shit about anybody else? <laughs> just be so funny if you just like, I mean, not as much as Gene. No, no. He's <laughs> like, so what are you, you, are you asking me if I care about Warren? Not, 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 not particularly. No, I, I'll shed a tear for Bobby. <laughs> I know you're not asking me if I'd care if fucking Hank goes. <laughs> uh, so, uh, obviously, they bring Pol- in the actual comic version. I think it's a combination of Polaris and Storm, if I'm correct. That like basically uh, defeats Krakoa. I think they send it in the fucking space or some shit. Um, there, you, you, there's, it's open how you want to handle right. that. Yes. In my version, a lot of them go down in one way or another, or they're incapacitated or defending somebody or whatever have you. A lot of people are just indisposed, and it's completely like they're trying. It's actually, we're going to be cute again. We're going to be really fucking cute again. Everyone is on the jet, and Krakoa will not let them leave. And. There's one person on the ground, or look, no, at the at, at least at the opening of the uh, the 
X-Wing or whatever. Uh, Black Blackbird, right? Yeah, the Blackbird. Um, and that's Jean Grey. And very similar to mirroring X2, Jean is fighting with every fiber of her being. And she is trying to hold off Krakoa. And everybody else is, like, dealing with their own shit. And Thunderbird is trying to fly the ship. Thunderbird is the pilot, by the way. Thunderbird is trying to fly Oh, the- I like that. You actually don't have to kill him, then. If you, if you ever wanted to sideline Thunderbird, you don't have to kill him. You could just make him the pilot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, if the dynamics don't work because this man is here, make him the pilot. I also, uh, paying attention to details, I also had Angel as the previous pilot in first class. My theme is, like, the flyers are usually the ones that fly the ship because sure. Obvious. Like they, cause they know they're used to aerial evasion flight. Yeah. Um, so Jean is trying with every fiber of her body to free the plane from Krakoa and she's struggling and struggling and struggling. And then we get this zo- like close, slow zoom in on her face and then cut to space and then cut back to her, and then cut to space, and then cu- and it's just like oh, so the Phoenix Force arrives when she needs it's it. Slowly, like we see just a set of light, uh, like two beams of light that kind of end up resembling eyes, and it match cuts to Jean's eyes, and they glow with bright light and flames flow out of her hair and her hand basically stands on end and she with a monstrous animalistic roar of power hoofs Krakoa single-handedly by herself from the earth out of the atmosphere into space and then fully like eyes roll back nose bleeding bleeding out the mouth collapses and of course, Scott's a fucking wreck, sprints over, and he's like, holy fucking shit, what just happened? Uh, he's, a, he's a fucking mess. Gene is now in a coma for easily the rest of the season. If the rest of the season. And then, yeah, that's like the big thing at the beginning of season four. Obviously, we're going to table this thing until later. But it's just yep. it's just a setup of like, yeah. <laughs> how does she get it? It's not innately in her. So how does she get it? And like, if we want to explain it, we can. Yeah, you can cut it. It's it's the MCU. You could cut to space anytime you want. Yeah, because like in the comics, there's this whole thing about like her Shayar. tapping into her tele- telepathic powers with her friend who's slowly dying, and uh, because she's crossing into the plane of like the not plane of the undead or like the not living basically the science sci-fi version of heaven um but it's not her time yet it's like that whole thing i think that's a lot to explain in a show i think no it's enough for the phoenix force to be seeking out a exact that is exactly my thinking to be seeking out a host right and see her feet of strength exactly uh so i think that's enough uh i think also whether you do it the previous season or this season, probably more like, nah, actually, yeah. Probably if you do it last season or this current season, do the Weapon X stuff, sure, fine. 
Um, I also think this is the season to do God Loves, Man Kills. Uh, finally sure, yeah. pay off that long-seated thing of like, Raven's gonna get you. <laughs> yeah. And then I fully, like, Raven has been pretty much at the head of the Brotherhood of Mutants, but they've largely been under the radar. They have purposefully been like, not attracting any attention. They've been. You can probably get a few new members out of exactly, them too. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Mastermind is get, no, like pyro. Pyro in the mix. Very important. My Mastermind is not in this carnation of Brotherhood. Um, he is. He's not in the flower. Huh? Called it a carnation. Oh. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, he's trying to join the Hellfire Club. We can maybe have like one establishing thing of like he's trying to get in, but he's not taken seriously. Meanwhile, Raven's version of the Brotherhood is a lot more low key, a lot more spec ops. Like, if anyone figures out that we even exist, we fucked up. Yeah. Uh, because of when God loves man kills Raven is now having her Black Widow moment of going full yeah. She gets to have a red wedding moment with Stryker. Absolutely. She is hunting this fucker down. Stryker has his own plot to, like, kidnap Charles because X2, we've all seen that by this point. Um, or hopefully. Uh, X2 was largely the pot plot of God Loves, Man Kills with a lot of changes. Um, and... I would also, you know, it's only right if you're going to do this, we try to find some way for Mystique and Nightcrawler to be in the same room because you gotta. Um, I, and not the shitty way that X2 did that. Mine got. <laughs> the shitty way that X2 just like had them next to each other for like a second and then it was nothing. And I'm just like, what the hell was that? <laughs> um... And then, am I forgetting literally anything else? Because this is about four to five how, seasons. How does that season point. end? Season four? Yeah, we're in season four and season four right now. Season four has to end with Gene waking up. I, it, 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 there's no choice. Like, once you sure. establish that in, like, the first fucking episode. But, like, in the first season, the overall plot climax is the battle between the two factions. The climax of season two feels like it's the assembly of the team uh there might be like one last hurrah of like first class maybe they go to the savage land i don't know uh that's so boring though. i You're know lose people um, because first class like, is like, honestly like i've tried to look up classic stories of first class yeah no it's 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 too it's too golden age of comics yeah. where it's just like the mustache twirler and it's like we don't none of this is claremont stuff mm -hmm. so like it's not. It's not the deep existential con co like conversations. We don't get into that until you're in the '80s, '90s, and 2000s. Um, right. I was even. I, I'm really, really, really just the '80s. Like the '90s, then introduced cable and muscles, and then it became ridiculous. Right. Um, and I even considered but, not even having two seasons with the first class. I was like, maybe we could just do one season with first class. But I'm like, there's. Was too there much any? Stuff. Was there any singular villain that you really like? couldn't fit in here who would just easily be someone that they have to contend with. But even then they're all in very scattered places. So like all of season two just feels like it's building to the end of season three. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, but just the way that narrative styles work, like there has to there has to be something climactic about that season. Season two uh, has a lot of leeway and that like it's really wrapping up the loose ends of the first class so they can move on. Um, so I guess in a way you could you could if you needed like a battle, like a, a climactic battle, it could be something either with the Hellfire Club having their own sort of micro plot of like the Hellfire Club has this plan. We have to thwart this plan as just like a make sure that you have a central like marketing point, quite frankly, like what what are you going to market as the thing this season? Um, or you could just like really wait on the whole havoc uh, and sinister thing and have that be a climactic moment of he finally finds sinister. We meet sinister for the first time and then he goes back into the darkness, I guess yeah, could be it. I think. And then you already talked about season three. I think of all the side quests, the uh, summer's boys one is easily the one you could drag out the longest and like, have that be the climax. Um, because also it's Cyclops. Like he's the main one. Yeah. Um, but also, I do think you could potentially have a little mini run-in with some Avengers. Like, you could do something yeah. with... And not even, like, them against each other, but it's, like, a, like a, cr- a, a crossover. Like Everyone's coming to the common threat. Right. And even that can be sort of an a buildup of, like, you know, you think this is the big bad, there's a bigger bad, we just don't know what the bigger bad is... And I very much would like to do the thing of like, it's been in front of your face the whole time. Have you not been paying attention? Emma Frost said she's on her own team. She is the one pulling the strings of it. Like, I like that idea of like, just everyone's kind of like, I don't exactly know what's happening, but I know. Oh yeah. You'd also have juggernaut. Um, I know. Oh yeah. That's an easy this one. This is not like, Sabretooth is not doing his own shit. Juggernaut is not doing his own shit. Like, you know, Mr. Sinister was doing his own shit, but like... That's true. You could have individual character climaxes where like it's somebody versus Sabretooth, somebody versus Sinister, somebody versus like Emma's plot revealed and without actually having everyone there for one singular battle. Yeah, I'm th- I'm truly thinking of this in a Game of Thrones style where like, yeah, a bunch of different character arcs will have their own climax moments. Yeah. Uh, and I definitely I think a lot of season two is going to be a like the building up of like uh, we're heading somewhere and you may not know where we're heading, but some comic book fans devoted enough might be able to pick together these dots that we're putting out there and go. Oh, so Emma Frost has resources. Raven has destiny that knows about Stryker. This is just a long walk to God Loves Man Kills. Okay. Like, because I think that's one of the things that Emma's do. And there's also, like, Morlock shit that you can do. Um, Yeah, you got to introduce the Morlocks at some point. Yeah, which I have no problem with. And I actually... Correct me if I'm wrong. Is it out of character for Emma Frost to actually not have beef with the Morlocks whatsoever? No, not at all. Okay. We jumped forward in time a little. I do kind of dig the idea that, like, Sinister is kind of like the Moriarty that crosses through a couple different villains 
schemes and plans and like uses them and they use him for his resources of things. And like, I like the idea of Magneto and Emma Frost are both aware of Mr. Sinister. They have no beef with him. He has no beef with them. And occasionally they're like, Hey, I want to do this. And I know you're good at this. And he's like, yes, I am good at that. Let me see what you got there. Yeah. That interests me enough to do it. Okay. Uh, cool. <laughs> I, I want to disrupt that a little bit. I think Magneto would have major beef with Mister okay. Sinister for the kind of for the kind of experiments that he would do. Cool. One thing I would find interesting, though, is if Hank fell fell under the auspices of Sinister. That actually makes a ton of sense based on what I've read. Yeah. Yeah, like Hank, given the opportunity to experiment on people, he would do it. Um, Hank is a one man operation paperclip. Um. In terms of like, if the science is there, I will move. I will go there. Yeah, um, I think I could definitely anyway, see so Hank yeah. like knowing this stuff exists and just not stopping it. Yeah, and just being like, well, yeah, I've been tracking his data, and they're like, what? That's not good, and we, we have to stop it. He's like, well, I mean, the information he's getting is very valuable. How do you think we did X Y yeah. Z thing from earlier in the season? And they're like disgusted and just like, what the fuck, man. <laughs> Like, I mean, in theory, that's one way that Hank could become blue. Yeah. Is via a botched sinister attempt. Yeah. But we're getting to the point where we now have a bunch of simultaneous plots moving while establishing, like, all of, in season three, all of the first class. I think there's a world in which you could have Krakoa be the end of the third season instead of the beginning of the fourth, quite frankly. Well, technically, it is. Um, it's just, like, we're, ex- we're explaining yeah. kind of, like what happened and we're resolving it in the beginning of season four. Um, because I think the first half of that episode, what I laid out was not, would not take that long to do. So I think you might actually go the route of like, let's explain what happened before we know what we're actually seeing of like, do you think that these could be pulled off in 10 episode arcs so long as it was clear that time will, has passed between episodes? I mean, currently each season is about 10 episodes. Yeah, it's between seasons two and three, you you just need to make it clear that it's like, hey, between episodes three and four, it's like a month. That way we don't feel like it's all. That way we don't feel like we have to super compress all the development into. Because like all the Marvel TV shows all happen over the course of like 10 days. Well, um, except for she, I would be very fluid in that of like, yeah, if they're like training, uh, it might be like episodes might be days or weeks in between. But if we're going from like, you know, Wolverine looking into his past all the way to God loves man kills like, yeah, that's like that would be a bigger time skip of like months. Yeah. And then, oh, there is there is one last thing. There's one last very important thing. So I don't think it really fully matters what mission they're on. It might be a significant mission. Uh, it probably is a significant mission. I could actually see it being the whole Wolverine cannot help himself. He gets a, the smallest breadcrumb of his origin and just dips thing of like, because it's Logan. Uh, and then they get into a big battle and... Thunderbird, uh, Rogue is basically that Rogue is finally like in the trial runs of like her being on a team. Uh, and she's largely in a support tactical, uh, sort of role. Um, 
Thunderbird saves Rogue from, like, uh, a thing. He's mortally wounded. Oh, you're saying that she gets his power from him and not from Carol. Yes, I am. Ah, interesting. All right. Uh, and... Yeah, that probably has a stronger payoff than a one-off, those two meeting each other. Yeah, it's also just awkward. Because, like, Captain Marvel's been well-established for a while now, and it's just like... That's weird. That's that's just that's that's weird. They have no. <laughs> well, so Rogue, Rogue doesn't really have the energy powers in the way that like kind of the rebooted 2010s Carol Danvers had energy powers. Yeah. Um, if anything, like we might want to look at Havoc if we wanted to do something like that. But like. Right. Um, we could establish that like, yeah, Thunderbird has very big dad energy with the group. He's like because he. I also am going to change that he is a dad. Sure. Uh, that it's not his brother that takes over the man. It is his son that it will eventually become the second Thunderbird. Um, yeah. But so he's been like a big father figure. He's real chill, real paternal. And he ends up having a pretty good relationship with Rogue because, you know, Rogue's grown up with you know, a regular family that was shitty, but largely has been raised by two moms. And so having this different energy of like a more paternal figure is interesting. And he's very supportive. And Rogue is known to be kind of like, my powers are a curse. And, you know, everyone else gets to actually do cool shit. And all I do is hurt people. And he's very much like, no, man, I believe in you. I think you're meant for great things. And then he's mortally wounded, and she's like, oh, man, you should have just... Is he mortally wounded in the fallout of God Loves, Man Kills? Because in that version, in the in the, in the the made-for-TV or the screen version, Stryker probably already has his cult following. Whereas, like, the way that it ends in the actual comics, it's just saving Charles and exposing him on TV instead of a battle. But, like, I don't think Marvel could help themselves without making a battle out of it, so he probably has a bunch of religious fanatics as well. This actually might be an interesting thing to have a couple different th- threads collide and have a like a mind-controlled angel try to kill Striker and they have to pr- weirdly protect Striker but also like subdue Striker and then also like kind of take out his fanatics but like not kill them and like it's like this whole like that's what makes it difficult. Is it like there's just this? Yeah, they can't just Avengers balance. their way through this. Right. Yes, these are. Well, because, yeah, I mean, quite frankly, there's never been a case in Marvel's like Marvel Studios where they've been fighting civilians. Right. Like it's always been other governments, black ops teams. These are civilians who signed up for a radical group. And it's the only time that that's ever happened in Marvel. Right. I also <laughs> I just had this image of like. A bunch of, like, conservative right-wing, like, January 6th-style, like, dudes, like, with, like, rifles and shit. And then there's just, like, Colossus, like, being... Mutes will not replace us. And they're just, like... And then just the ting, 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 ting. And Colossus is like, please, this is embarrassing. Please. Just... Yes, exactly. Just... He doesn't get a lot of time to shine in this right now, does he? Because he doesn't have Kitty. I mean, Col- no, we're going to establish Col- Colossus is very much like one of the few stable people in all of this. Yeah, he's a pretty static character. Uh, but that's like uh, a, it's used as a good thing. Like Colossus is one of the is like basically the person that finally convinces Logan to like stop 
looking like stop having like one foot out the door. He also has a pretty famous speech about like essentially he takes on the whole he basically does a rever a rehash version of uh first they came for the communists, but I was not a communist, so I did nothing. Uh, and I, so, and then, then they came for the blah, blah, blah. And I, and then no one was there to speak for me. Um, he basically does that. He, Colossus also has that speech at a later point when talking to Kitty. So he can talk, he, he can be talking to anybody. Um, I also think it's noteworthy. If you're going to lay the seeds of strikers fanatics, you could use Kurt's religion to do that. Where if like Kurt is like sitting up in the shadows of the rafters of a church, fulfilling his spiritual duty. And then slowly, but surely the congregation starts to kind of like turn in that like conservative turn against stuff and that's one way for us to like in the background of everything see that happening to the where it then eventually later comes to a head uh kurt is a good vehicle for that of inciting the riot no 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 as in like he is slowly just observing a congregation that he goes to just to fulfill his own spiritual needs and slowly that congregation starts to be turned by like strikers rhetoric oh so he can like see the corruption firsthand yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, that's one way to do it over the course of like a, a third and fourth season. Um, so yeah. Okay, cool. So like just navigating all this. Yeah. Warren's kind of off the board. You can have him involved with God Loves Man Kills. You don't have to. Bobby's off the board. Hank might be with Sinister, might just be their tech guy. Uh, Gene in a coma. Scott still leading the new team. Aurora also part of the leadership of the new team. Wolverine goes back and forth with his past, but more or less on the team. Colossus static on the team. Thunderbird, uh, pr- you know, we'll probably give him that relationship with Rogue to then potentially die at the end of God Loves Man Kills. Uh, Xavier's during that whole thing. Magneto, we haven't seen in a long time. You're weaving Emma Frost and uh, and the Brotherhood into this whole thing where the Brotherhood's probably the ones who actually kill Stryker in the end. Do we have covered pretty much where everyone is at the end of this for you to keep going? Uh, yes, and I, for the most part, and uh, I just love the visual of Rogue being so thirsty to join the fight, and finally, like, it takes losing somebody very close to her to finally give her the tools to, like, be able to genuinely help and then she just wham burst through a wall and just wrecks shit <laughs> it's just like oh it's so like i just have this image of like goth x-men evolution rogue just like clowning fools just like fully decking full sentinels in one punch like oh Oh, I need it. <laughs> so so you end your fourth season. The X-Men are worse for wear. There's been this huge public fallout where maybe they get some sympathy because Stryker was very clearly a bigot and a zealot and a terrorist. But then there's also probably people who like see the mutants response to that in the way the violence happens and still side with Stryker. So where do you go next? Well, technically speaking, I wipe my hands and I'm done. But uh, knowing what kind of has to come next is Jean comes out of her coma, um, kind of like definitely takes a hard step away from the X-Men for a while. This is where Mastermind swoops in and like starts to manipulate her using his powers. Oh, is he using her to get into the Hellfire Club and make her the Red Queen? Yes. Got it. 
Uh, and, you know, largely it should kind of basically play out very similarly to how I've read it, the story synopsis. Um, you don't really need to do all that much, although, uh, I would have her have, like, a touch more agency. Like, I would have it be that, like, it's through Jean's own means, uh, or at least a combination of, like, Scott signaling to Jean in a very pointed way that, like, this is not real. And then Jean is the one that goes, you're right, this is not real. And she, like, fully takes the illusion out off of her and just wrecks mastermind shit um because we love that we we love when women get to actually get you know get their revenge um <laughs> uh and largely like from there you could have whatever way you really need to for like the phoenix force to like fully like come back but again i don't think you should do that soon i think that should be a thing of like yeah she just has amplified powers but she's not the phoenix yet she is still jean gray like she occasionally has the whole like flames coming off her hair thing and you know she's a lot more confident and sure of herself but like She's not like corrupted yet. That that takes a bit. Uh and this is where you can also have like, you know, I would probably have established before the Krakoa incident that like there was a thing between Scott and Emma Frost. There, there was a thing between Scott and Emma Frost. Because Yeah, I mean, I think you see that from the moment they meet. Yeah. Um but this is why I'm like Emma Frost has to be done in a specific way. Emma Frost cannot be, fuck you, I got mine. She has to very much be like, no, I am also for helping mutants. I, we just have different ways of doing it. And if I were in charge of the X-Men, I'd be a lot more active. I think Charles is way too passive with y'all. Um, and it's like weirdly a sentiment that like Scott kind of shares. He's like, oh no, am I... Am I going down a dark path? I'm agreeing with Emma Frost. Well, <laughs> in a way, Emma's kind of a capitalist. Emma's like, if Magneto's looking at this being like, humans are violent, humans are this, humans are blah, 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 they will they will exterminate us. And then Emma's looking at it this being like, no, you're going about this all wrong. You're trying to capture hearts and minds. Just get the fucking bank. Get the fucking bank. They have to listen to you. I interpret Emma Frost as being currently being a capitalist. She is a capitalist because that is the thing that will get her what she wants. Exactly. But she is not devoted to capitalism because Right, no. She is not a she is not a capitalist. But what I what I'm yeah, what I mean to say is that she's just like she's her realism is about the purse. And like essentially if somebody said right now, "Hey, you are in charge of the X-Men," she would stop giving a fuck about like getting money she'd be managing money because that's largely what she does but like she's now like oh i'm in charge of the x-men okay a lot of things are gonna fucking change around here (laughs) and um just for the sake of things being tight i feel like warren's family needs to be semi-connected to the hellfire club i'm sure they are i'm sure they're like that is not that hard (laughs) yeah um 
like a casual name drop here, a casual reinforcement of a thing there. Like, yeah. Um, because, yeah, I would find Warren's issues with his family very interesting, but they're largely probably limited to like the first two seasons because I don't see that right. as a thing that like can keep coming back. Right. Yeah. Um, so wait, so basically what you've said is that like your thesis here was get through these four season arcs. And then from that point, it feels like you could in theory do whatever you wanted because you've taken the time to establish everyone. Yes. Because when you think about it, you've done first class. Cause yeah, you've given me a springboard for so many ways that all the things I talked about in the previous episode right. could happen. And we've all, we've also done a very famous arc by this point. Like by the time you get to the end of season four, it's like you've done so many check marks. You've done first class. You've done God loves man kills. You've done Wolverine and just in general, you've done second class. You've established the Phoenix energy, the Phoenix force. And now Jean is out of her coma and back to doing whatever the fuck she wants to do. You largely, I'm going to go ahead and say Banshee probably died at some point. Thunderbird died. So it's like, you've had a few deaths. Uh, Bobby probably could come back in the future, like maybe season five. Um, But it also might just be fun to have Bobby and other properties. Right. Like when you think about it, everyone that is important has been established so thoroughly by, by season four that like, and it doesn't take long at all to establish Kitty to eventually do Jubilee to, you know, do all the like additional mutants that we know that are slightly younger, slightly more recent. And then you can work in like some stuff with Kamala Khan and addressing all that stuff. Um, You can, again, If rights are no issue, you can have some cute interactions with Spider-Man. You can have some interesting interaction with Fantastic Four. Like, you know, you could do all that fun shit. And, you know, maybe at one point you kind of establish like, oh, the Fantastic Four is on TV. Oh, neat. Oh, they had a kid. Oh, neat. What's that? He's a what? Oh, fuck. (laughs) I guess in a way it makes the most sense if Sinister is already a player in season two to essentially have, if you're doing multiple plot lines at the same time, have God Loves Man Kills simultaneously with the Morlock Mutant Massacre. Now, I am split on like whether or not to even do the Mutant Massacre. I'm like, I actually don't, I couldn't gleam, like, from just reading about it. I'm like, so what is, what's the point of this? <laughs> oh, I mean, I feel like it's a vehicle. That's why I feel like they thematically work with each other, is that it's a vehicle to talk about the prejudices against them and the ways in which everybody wants something from mutants, and yet people just want mutants to not exist, but... Also, they are, you know, there are people who view them as a springboard for human for humanity to move past. There are people who see them as an abomination from God. There's people who see them as this and as that. And so, like, in a way, 
if you don't want to have the entire team focused on striker, you could have a portion of the team also looking into what's going on with the Morlocks with planting seeds there as well. Because you have so many characters now that, like, in theory, you could have them both happening at the same time with, like, the X-Men just split up into two teams. And have them happen simultaneously. It just feels like it's a way to pay off Sinister in a way that it's like, because also none of these villains are dying, you know? Yeah, uh, you want to be very careful with that. Um, yeah, I do like the idea of incorporating the Morlocks into God Loves Man Kills. I just don't know what the point of Mutant Massacre is specifically. Like, like the concept of them all dying. Of who all dying? The Morlocks? Yeah. But I don't want to kill them. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm saying. Right. <laughs> is that the Morlocks in the conversation, you don't want to do that. I mean, I guess you could change it slightly to where it's like Sinister is making an attempt to kill them all. Right. Yeah, I'm definitely fine with like the idea of like fighting a battle on two fronts of like there's a human that wants to eradicate us and there's a mutant that wants to eradicate us. And it's just like, wow, like this is so fucked up that it actually makes Magneto and the X-Men kind of like collectively go like, yeah, this is fucked. (laughs) Yeah, it's almost like in the uh, mutant Overton window, Charles and and Eric are centrists on either side of the aisle. And then on the farther sides of the aisle, you have uh, these other groups. Um, I forget who I'm blanking. Who's the leader of the Morlocks? Uh, Callisto. Callisto. Thank you. Uh, I actually like the idea of I'm not going to say anything definite. I'm not going to say anything definite, but I just I think Callisto and Rogue might be interesting friends. Sure. Well, I also think it's interesting, the concept of the Morlocks harboring Magneto, and that's where he's been, Um, whether he has a plot or not. That would be that would certainly be interesting to like have. Yeah, it's even more to like have. And it may be like down on his luck and is like that kind of like I just want to the better version of the I just want to live in peace Magneto that we've seen a million times like. I don't know what's more interesting to have pre X-Men rogue or newly X-Men rogue, like go down with the Morlocks and hang out with Callisto and then to just see Eric lens, uh, Eric there. And then like to, for rogue, it's so many conflicting emotions of just like, I know, wait, that cannot possibly, what do I do? <laughs> well, I mean, and it's also interesting to me to be like, to have like the Scott led team is headed into a confrontation with Stryker and the brotherhood because they, they get tipped off. The brotherhood's going to fucking kill him and they have Xavier. So it's like, Oh, are the, is the brotherhood going to kill Xavier too? We don't know. Um, and then on the flip and that team has like Kurt and, uh, and rogue and Thunderbird on it. And then the other team is like Colossus and, Wolverine and Storm, like these people who like know how to deal with deep atrocity in a way, like like the actual literal split down the middle of who is involved in the teams is actually fascinating to me to have all that happening. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, I mean, all all that said, like I described a whole lot of other stuff about like how you would potentially do apocalypse and how you could uh, and, you know, that schism between uh, Wolverine and Cyclops. Now, do I think that sometime after the mutant massacre, you have to kind of set up that dichotomy of like, whose dream are we following Magneto's or, or Xavier's to kind of like, 
in your version, I don't think Scott gets, I think we're missing some pieces of Scott's arc, all things considered, just in the lack of specificity here of him becoming the de facto leader of mutant kind. In what regard? Um, or maybe it's just cause we're four seasons in and I, I, I feel like I, he would need one more actual, you know what? Actually, maybe that's not it. Maybe it takes, cause actually, yeah, in a world where we're following this path, he would have to get all the way through Gene's Phoenix stuff, have a reason to not be with Gene anymore to potentially push him closer to Emma. And then also have a crisis of faith with some sort of decision that Charles and Eric are making to then separate himself. Like it would take maybe two more seasons for him to get there under this current version. Cause like there are two ways this could go and I'm fine with both, but one is definitely more, more drastic. Um, there's going through all the Phoenix stuff, meeting like the, it's the Shiara empire. Right? I've never actually, it's never been said in words, vocal media. <laughs> so yeah. Um, Meeting the aliens. It, it, uh, it very well, they very, we may, very well may meet them in the Marvels, funny enough. Probably. I wouldn't be surprised. Because, like, especially if yeah. you know you're doing mutants and the X-Men, it's like, you might as well just set this up. Yeah, here. get them on the board. <laughs> um, So, like, you could have the whole thing where, like, after all of that with the Phoenix and stuff, Charles just retires and goes to the Shi'ar Empire. Like, you could do it that way, or you could have Scott, you could have Scott kill him. And, or, okay, maybe not kill him in this specific instance, but, like, you could have the thing of, like, no, Charles, we are not your X-Men anymore. We are the X-Men. Or, and, like, just planting that flag in the ground of, like, we are no longer, quote-unquote, following Charles Xavier. We are doing what we think is right. And I think, because I very much am intending for Scott to have that exact slow burn arc. All the way, it's set up all the way back in episode three, when... Gene is not aware of what is happening. She's just holding Vanisher in place. She thinks they're going to just capture him somehow. And then he, like, falls over limp, and she's like, what the fuck? And she just looks over at Charles, and Charles is like, all right, that's done with. And he just wiped his fucking memory, and everyone is a little, except for Hank, obviously, everyone is a little taken aback at that. I'm just like, you just wiped his me- I'm sorry. How are you so fucking casual about this? Like, I think it, Gene takes it the hardest, but Scott never forgets that. And Scott has a bunch of moments where he fully questions Charles' uh, decision-making, and he's like, why are we doing this? Or it's like, why aren't we doing that? Like, they very much have disagreements of, like, how things should go. And I do think there is a moment where... Whether violence happens or not, that Scott definitely is like, these are not your X-Men anymore. Okay, Boomer. (laughs) 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 Hashtag not your (laughs) X-Men. 
Oh God. Um, I don't know. Maybe Onslaught might might have something to do with that. Yeah, I mean that's a bigger crossover though. I don't know. The main thing that I know is that if we do it this way, then uh, yeah, a lot of people get just more time, more time to develop. Um, certain storylines are given enough time to breathe. They're get they're being done justice, and we also find creative workarounds. That was a big thing. I was just like, I'm I not, I'm not even gonna pretend that I'm gonna somewhat entertain the idea that Rogue actually takes her powers from Carol Danvers. I'm finding a workaround for this, or like finding a workaround of that like. They're technically supposed to battle Magneto for their first real villain, but I'm like, but they're not gonna fight Magneto in like episode one, so no, we're gonna save that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like that has been my absolute focus with this. It's just like, how do we find creative ways to still get the same result but take different routes to get there? Um. And I tried to work in as many mutants as I could, <laughs> as many people that are genuinely important to shit and to storylines as I could. I tried to do right by, like, Destiny, who's very much been shafted. Yeah, was dead for a long time. Uh, tried to do right by Thunderbird. I suppose in the fifth season you could overlap Gene's whole Hellfire thing with a Sentinel resurgence. Oh, yeah. Or the introduction of Sentinels, I guess. Yeah, that's the thing about the whole Sentinel thing is that, like... You can do them whenever the fuck you want. You can kind of just do them whenever, and that makes me go, like, well, then I feel tempted to just put them off. It's also an easy one-off villain for them to fight. It's an easy, like, oh, fuck, they sent a Sentinel in again. Like... Gotta go take care of that. The Sentinels, I feel, function more as, like, a complication than a true villain. Yeah. At least until uh, Nimrod comes along. Exactly. So... All in all, what's my grade? Oh, I think you did a wonderful job. Thank you. I think you did a good job. Because, again, we are now in a position where having had all those conversations, we can then talk about, like, adding branches to things that would then make everything well-grounded in the first place. And that's the hardest thing with the X-Men and why there's truly not a satisfying X-Men film is because people want to do right by... People want to do right by, like creating film versions of the most famous and most beloved story arcs, but we've never seen anyone really do the work with the whole team and start from just a few characters into the giant expansive world that is the X-Men because the X-Men comics wouldn't be what they were if it weren't for the fact that it was the most popular selling comic uh, other than Spider-Man at Marvel for 70, what is, no, what is now over 60 years. Uh, Like they've, they're this big because there's just been a million stories to tell, but they didn't get that way overnight. And so doing a true live action version of him is also not going to get that way overnight. So the fact that it took us at least, I mean, I would argue that the fourth season becomes the season in which you start being able to do whatever you want. But like, yeah, those first three seasons are what it takes to. So like 30 episodes, 30 hour long episodes take is what it takes to get everyone on the footing they need to be on. So yeah, that's it. I, I, ain't, I ain't got nothing else to say. I could go on forever, quite frankly. I'm finally done. TJ is a free 
X Men. I don't know. <laughs> I just hand you a copy of uh, X Men. Trevor has given TJ a comic book. <laughs> TJ is a free man. Uh, pretty sure the only comics I owned were Spider Man, which is not surprising at all. But then also, uh, Futurama. I know, and I think maybe a Simpsons, but pro- definitely a Futurama. That's weird. Yeah, which is is fucking wild. I've like, never owned a DC comic in my life. <laughs> nah, me neither. That says something. <laughs> me neither. So, uh, this is like one of the few times that like, because we used to do this. We haven't really done it recently, but this is like one of the times I'm like, no, no, but seriously, legitimately though, like. Tell us what you think. What did you guys think about <laughs> <Yeah>. this? <laughs> Because, I don't know, I put a lot of time and energy into just, like, trying to organize everything and, like, trying to be as faithful as I can while still taking liberties wherever I could just because, why the fuck not? Um, And, but I will be the first to admit that, like, yeah, I also did not grow up with X-Men. So there's a lot of nuance that I'm probably not going to be able to do justice to, so... Let us know. Also, arguably, not to start the conversation again, arguably, you need to do all that foundation to then do a jump forward into an Age of Apocalypse storyline. Yeah. and Because my argument was, you can't just do Apocalypse as a one-off like they did in the movie where he does some world-ending threat in the now. The interesting thing about him was the future storyline. Yeah. And I think, you know, once you get a certain length with this show... It's almost a thing of, like, you're barely doing seasons anymore. You're just doing long concepts. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, once you do God Loves, Man Kills, and then you set up Distrust in Charles, and you set up Scott as a burgeoning leader, and you set up the Phoenix as a factor in things, you can overlap Seeds of the Phoenix Force with some Hellfire stuff, with some Sinister stuff, with some... Uh, you know, what if no one, no new mutants are born at a certain point? You don't even have to have House of M to do that. Just be like, hey, for some reason, we are not finding new mutants in the rap in the way we rapidly did before. Set up the mutant messiah, comp- like messiah complex, if you want to. Like, there's a million things you can do from this jumping off point. Uh, that you need this the stasis point for. Um, that really tie into some of the things that were critical that I said in the first place, which is that like the X Men tend to lose. And we haven't actually seen them lose in a few seasons, um, which is one of those kind of things where it's like, how do you have that conversation? I know I know you well enough to know that you're not really interested in that as a concept, but that is just a strong fucking thread. Well, that eventually the mutants go underground. I'm fine with an arc where they lose um, or like multiple arcs where they lose. I'm just specifically not the person to go to if like. No, but, like, the whole show should have the vibe of, like, they can never get too far forward without, like, three steps back. And I'm like, that's a yeah. bummer for me, though. <laughs> yeah, I get that. That's a lot of Spider-Man stuff falls into that issue. And I'm like. Cue the Toby line. But Spider-Man's fun. <laughs> um, But, yeah, I definitely. I Yeah, there are definitely some moments. Also, I very much do not have a problem with this being like 
a TV mature kind of show. Oh, absolutely. Of just like, we just don't have to really worry. Like, let's just not really worry about the language, worry about the violence, or worry about sexual themes. It's the fucking X-Men. I'm not saying they're going to be, that Logan's going to be cutting heads off fools every episode. But what I am saying is that, like, the first time, like, Hulk goes into that building and sees Logan's handiwork for the first time, you should be able to show it. Like, you shouldn't have to feel the need to, like, strategically hide all the, and have no blood and, like, no. If it's fucked up, it should look fucked up. Yeah, agreed. So, with all that said, I'm finally done. I can finally relax again. Uh, um, and I can also... You re- you relax ever? No. Yeah. Uh, t- <laughs> I'd also weep silently to myself. Uh-huh. Uh, because I will never get anything as <laughs> anything like this ever <laughs> for mm-hmm. X-Men. It will never happen. And I feel like I will only be disappointed by the MCU. <sighs> I don't know, man. I mean, if it doesn't self-implode from studio interference and exactly. studio and strikes and shit beforehand. Capitalism will ruin every medium of art you ever love. Uh-huh. This month has really been great for my uh my perspective and my worldview. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's 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 let these really people go. I feel really optimistic about the world and my life. Let's let these people go. (laughs) No, I will not let. Okay, I've been Trevor Catalano. P. Paul. Go. (laughs) I don't even. I don't even love that movie like that. Does that make me Moses? (laughs) (laughs) His hands bore the blood of a. That's just like the meme for Magneto. It's just like his hands bore the blood of like a thousand nazis he's like slay (laughs) 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 oh god um this is usually the part where i go tune in next week for blah 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 we're still in the strike phase we don't know what we're fucking doing so we're just recording things tune in next time guys william nelly be patient be patient with us because i don't know what the fuck i'm doing i was already overworked before this so fuck uh until next time i've been tj patrick i'm trevor catalano